Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are at week 62 of the Nick and Matt Show. Matt and I just want to say hello to everyone tuning in live and hello to all the podcasters who are listening to us post live show. Matt, how are you doing this week? Oh, Matt, you're muted. Matt, can you hear me? You're muted. How often do I do this, Nick? Every week now. Every week about. So I said a lot of great things about you. I said some really nice things about our our guests lined up, and we're just going to have to edit this to change how that went down. But (laughs) Chef Andrew Zimmern sitting in our virtual green room. If you don't know who that is, uh, you probably saw a little bit of that in the Celebrity Disc Golf Pro Tour Celebrity Pro-Am. He was winning out there at a lot of things. Um, we're also going to, following him, have Paul Macbeth. If you know that name, I, I'm assuming you do. I'm assuming you do. Paul Macbeth. Um, and then after him, Missy Gannon. Nick and I are going to kind of just throw some stuff in between there, kind of give some filler, and we're going to have a good time tonight. Nick, before we get to those great interviews, some really cool, notable things to talk about. 100,000 PDGA members, 100,000. That's not how many people have a PDGA number. That's how many current members there are right now. I don't know if I ever thought that would happen, just to be honest. What do you, what's I mean, your it reaction? Seems, it just, it seems like it's been picking up so much lately that, you know, it was like, oh, there's 80,000, now there's 90,000, now there's 95,000, now there's 99,000. And then all of a sudden it hit the 100,000 mark and you're just kind of like, holy cow, there's 100,000 active live PDGA members out there right now, which is pretty insane for the sport. Yeah, it's interesting to say the least, because when I got in, the number I got was 48,000. Uh, I'm not telling you the exact number. Remember Brody? He's like, I can't show the member number. Like, people <laughs> yeah, like, hack blocked me. it out. <laughs> 48402, everybody. Go find me and see what my rating is. Judge me as a disc golfer. Um, hey, so, but go up tomorrow. Yeah, so less than 50,000 when I started about 14 or 15 years ago. And that was, again, that's how many numbers there were. We almost have 200,000 numbers now, but we have 100,000 active. That's incredible. Um, Nick, there's only one more event lined up for this year. That's an official pro tour event, and it's the finale. It's coming right around the corner here. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then, Nick, just your general reaction. You told me something on Facebook or in social media or in a text. You said something about goosebumps. What happened just recently? Well, (laughs) <laughs> for everyone watching the USDGC and the Throw Pink Women's Disc Golf Championships, there was multiple battles going on. On the Throw Pink side, Missy Gannon ended up coming out with a win um, after an incredible last round and then just consistently putting well all weekend. But the post that I had made on Instagram, um, my best friend Paul Macbeth had won USCGC for the third time. As pretty much everyone knows, there's no spoilers in live sports, so sorry if anyone's watching. Um <laughs> but it was cool because when he made the final putt in the playoff, just seeing all that raw emotion come out of him, like, you know, it's almost like he won it for the first time or it was his first big win. And for him, I mean, it seems like that's probably it's easily the biggest win of this year so far for him. But just seeing all that raw emotion is cool to just, you know, be in that moment. There's not many disc golfers showing that much emotion after a win. We're seeing emotion. Sometimes you'll see crying or you'll see just someone like pumped with a fist or whatever. Like that was a lot. It's been building this full season and it could be argued that this is one of the bigger wins of his career. It could be. And there, and that's something to be debated later. And people will be like, why? Well, 
there's a you have to talk storylines. You have to talk storylines. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we've made it. Without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in our first guest of the evening and probably the most important if we're calculating by who's a better chef or not. But here here he is, everybody. <laughs> Andrew Zimmern. Welcome to the show. We're very happy to have you tonight. How are you doing? Fantastic. I, I don't have any tournament wins. I do have a PDGA number uh, myself that's about 12 years old. Um, but while I don't have any tournament wins, I do have an Emmy and four James Beard awards. So am I allowed to talk? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, tell us, great. Tell, tell us really quick what the James Beard award is, because I've never heard of it before. So now that, I'm curious. Those uh, the Oscars of the food world. They are given out to uh, uh, chefs and cookbook writers, television personalities in the food space, uh, restaurants for service and things like that. Uh, It's probably the probably more important than the Emmy win was to me was getting because it's voted on by my peers and, Mm -hmm. you know, being acknowledged by by them that many times was something that was really really special. I argument that Macbeth's win uh on uh saturday uh it could be one of the two most important wins of his career simply as as you were talking about matt because storyline i say that as a fan especially after watching what happened uh at the worlds when james conrad won i will also tell you as one who has devoured disc golf uh on online uh, every year that those, uh, broadcasts have been available, not just live, but, you know, even going back years, uh, when you would see stuff that was two days out and maybe just partial rounds and things like that. Um, we've seen more emotion this year. Um, think, think of Kyle Klein winning his first big tournament. Think of James Conrad taking down worlds, um, the, the stakes have risen because I think the community and especially the players, no one more important than the players, right, um, realize that the, the world is watching, CBS is watching, ESPN is watching, casual fans. I've been playing 25 years. When when James and, and Paul went to that playoff hole, um, I had friends of mine who were just seeing their feeds light up because there was so much activity around what happened during those last 15 minutes, then the next 15 minutes when they started, um, finally apologizing to me for 25 years of what they were talking was not, they didn't count it as a sport. I mean, we're still finally, I mean, mean, right now, these are some of the world's best athletes in, in my opinion. And it's just this year that we have people outside the community referencing them as athletes. I'm, I mean, look, I no knock against anyone who does synchronized swimming. What they do is absolutely unbelievable. But that that we're not in the Olympics is appalling to me. So anyway, can, I think it was a very important win for Paul. The storyline was absolutely incredible as a fan. You know, when I saw what was happening on Saturday and Paul creeping, sorry, on Friday and Paul creeping up and Nate still in the conversation. And I'm like, we're going to have another situation like we had at Worlds. I mean, this is unbelievable. And then when Paul got, you know, went broke, um, what, on 16, 15, 16, uh, on the final day, I was just sitting there thinking to my, the, the, you talk about nerves to hit some of the shot that he did while the tape of worlds is playing in his mind at the USDGC, I think made those putts even more historic. And I think that's why you saw 
all that emotion out of him because he really had to stuff that stuff down so that he could actually compete. I, I'm, I think the world of, of him as a human being and uh, especially as an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. I think talking about how that played out is, well, let's get into it because you're bringing it up now and you're making the points that I was thinking about. So he steps up to hole 18 and I know there's a whole thing going on right now about the live coverage and what happened. I'm not talking about that right now. We're talking about the gameplay, but he steps yeah, up to hole. By the way, by the way, in fairness to the, to the, to the disc golf network and the, you know, all the folks there in Techville as a TV guy, all I did was click out and click back in and I was able to see it just fine. So is that a tech glitch? Yes. It, <laughs> it knocked everyone off, but you know, it's tech one Oh one turn it off and turn it back on again. So, I mean, I think people need to calm down a little bit. Okay, everybody, you heard it from Chef Andrew. I might not say it, but I'm going to say it later again. So just, he said it first. Just remember that. So sorry. That's okay. So he steps up the whole 18. And what is going through his mind? Because I have to believe that on hole 18, the final round, the last putt, it has to be going through his mind Everybody ripped on me at Worlds for laying up when it made every sense in the world to do so. I am going to take that opportunity to just shove it right now into that basket and just end it. And if I lose it, if I lose and go OB here, hey, I tried. Like, I was going to win, and that was the heart of a competitor to do that. Then, But people would be calling him stupid. I get it. But the reality is I think he had something to prove, and he— so close two inches one way he's in two inches out he might lose but he went to a playoff almost aced it took it down big win i agree yeah and i think he also paul is an elite athlete is he's such an incredible student of the game and he's able to pause within the moment and i see some other things i I think there's a difference and and look this i'm a big fan of kyle Klein's. i i think he's a star of the future I mean, he is, you know, I mean, he's a star now, but I mean, he's only going to get better. Very easy man with the world in front of him. I think part of the, the decision-making process, and I'd be interested for you to ask Paul later was you just have to evaluate who you're potentially going into a playoff against. He's going into a playoff against a, a seasoned veteran who has big tournaments behind him and playoffs under his belt and has been, that he knows that he doesn't, Paul knows he doesn't necessarily have an advantage uh, when it comes to uh, being able to uh, to handle your nerves up on the tee of the first playoff hole. But if you're going, if you're going against a young man like Kyle, who has not been in a position before, I, I, I think you take that into account too. Yeah, absolutely. Better I, to go I, to, better to go to hole one and win it, right? Exactly. I was take talking about nice, it. Nice soft choice. Sorry, go on, Nick. No, no, I was just, I was just gonna say I was talking to Paul about it actually last night. I went oh. down to Charlotte. Oh, we were I was all just talking out, to Paul about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, it was more like in the sense of like, how long <laughs> did you think about that putt? And he was like, I stepped up to it thinking I'm gonna make this putt, and he put his mini down. What maybe five, ten seconds later is when he goes after that putt. I don't think he was necessarily, you know, it definitely came in his mind of like, okay, who am I potentially going into a playoff against? And then I actually, my buddy Jeff Corns, who was watching Kyle. Um, he had said Kyle sat over that putt for a really long time in the sense of, do I run this? Do I lay it up on the 18th hole, whether he's going for birdie for par? And then he ended up actually going for it and just hit the front of the band, sat right there. So I think just the maturity level of mm. Paul, he stepped up to it knowing that, like you said, the world was behind him. You know, 
everyone made fun of him in a sense for laying up a putt where he or laying up a shot maybe where he shouldn't have. But he walked right up to that putt with the full confidence that more than likely he's at least going to hit the basket. And so I right. think that showed a big heart of like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Thousand, a thousand percent. And who has the best touch? Paul knows, you know, not to go full send and rip that putt in there and throw it all the way down to the pond. You know, <laughs> I mean, he, 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 he knew that he could make the comebacker, right? Exactly. I mean, that's, I think he knew as long as, I mean, he's got such great touch. He's a, he, he thinks about all those things. And, and by the way, Avo to Missy too, who, you know, was feeling the pressure, you know, from several players uh, throughout the uh, back nine on, uh, on Saturday and just stepped up and said, no, I'm just going to stay ahead of everyone and just, mm-hmm. just, did a fantastic, I'm a big fan of Missy Gannon's too. Great, great champions. And we're very lucky to have seen the year that we've had, which I think has been unbelievable. And we only have, uh, we, we only have more upside to this, um, this amazing sport as the rest of the world gets turned, turned onto it. I am mm-hmm. so bullish on what's going to happen, uh, both on and off the field uh, over the off season. And then over the next, uh, season, it's going to be just incredible. I'm very excited. One of my favorite things about the off season is I love hearing, you know, free agents, where are they going? So we were actually talking about it last night at dinner and it was just kind of like, oh, this is such an incredible time. Cause it's like, oh, this player might go here. This player might go here. And so finally seeing all that come through, I love the off season. So I'm, I, I, do, I do too, but, but this year as a, as a business person, uh, and someone who's a fan, I think that the the real growth this year is not going to be who's going to be trading their Innova bag for, you know, a Latitude bag or vice versa. It's, it's you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, Disc Golf Pro Tour and USDGC have figured out their stuff will take a lot of confusion from the external marketplace in viewing the sport, right? Things are going to become clear and you're going to see huge growth in the maturity of the sport as it's presented as professionals. I think you will see increase in purchases, uh, in purses. I think that mm-hmm. you will see different types of sponsorship uh, availability come through. I, I'm horrified at how small the money is for these athletes, how how small sponsorship is for a whole, how how so many of these, these players are really uh, bootstrapping their careers. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know, it, it, it outside the top 100. I'm talking about inside the top 100. Mm-hmm. Um, you also, I think you were alluding to something in, in the run-up to introducing me um, that I think is also very important to point out when it comes to numbers. Look at the difference between the number of applications put in for the uh, pro-ams, men and women's side, last year versus 10 years ago. And that tells you everything you have to know about uh, this sport. I know Philo Brathwaite, whenever he's comment, it seems every time I hear him commentating, he's always talking about the fact that no longer will you see someone with major ever who didn't start playing as a four-year-old. It's just not going to happen anymore. You have too many young players coming on who have been literally walking around with a disc since birth in their hands. And I think it's, I think the game, I think the game has changed and we will look at 2020 into 2021 as being the year that, that historically that it really took off. I think this was a very important hinge event uh, this entire season for this incredible sport. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I agree. It's it's hard to fathom what it could do, or we've all been sitting here watching for a while too, and it may not do that. But it is the right time. It looks like it. Let's let's cross our fingers and say this is it. And and there's a lot more happening, including the media. Our show started. All these things. I mean, like things have started up, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. All right. But look- Look how much smart conversation is happening around it, and look at the ancillary things that True. are happening uh, around the sport. And and, and you know, it, I'm I, as a fan and as someone who is uh, got one toe on the inside of this thing, I'm just I'm so revved up. I I I got so excited. I I I almost played 27 holes on Sunday. That's how excited I was, which at my age, quite a big deal. Yeah, it's honestly, you're not wrong. I, I'm glad you just brought that up. Was, that was a joke. That was a joke, guys. Be nice if you laughed, even at my weaker I, shit. It would be nice if you laughed well, at, or, just, or just chuckled or just chuckled Nick, a no, little. I'm going to tell you. I, I do. I, I, I have myself muted. I was doing silent chuckling back here. No. I just want to make sure I don't cut you off or anything like no, that. No, so, I'm throwing know, Nick under the, the bus. Floor. Nick texted me and said, can we move on? This is getting lame. No, I'm that's no, false. No, that is no. false. I, I almost fell apart. I hadn't played. When we were playing the Pro-Ams, um, I, I let down James Conrad, which continues to be the greatest uh, disappointment of my professional career, sports or culinary. Um, and because we had played something like, uh, what, 18, 18, eight, we played 18 practice on night one. Then we played 18 morning of day two and then 18 uh, afternoon of day two. And the final nine of the 54 holes, my arm, my body, my hips, my legs. I mean, I, I thought I was dying. I, I literally <laughs> thought I was dying. And I, we were playing alternate uh, shot the last nine of the, uh, of the finals. And we ended up, I thought we would place somewhere in the middle, right? Because I thought that there were more balanced teams than James and I. Um, and during the AM side, I came in right in the middle. And I thought that's where I'll be, you know, in the final day, right in the middle. So when I'm playing with, you know, one of the best players in the world, we got a shot. We're not going to finish last. It was so bad because James would take these incredible drives. And then my, I, I couldn't even feel my arm. I couldn't hold on to the disc. <laughs> my hands were cramping so bad. Yeah. It was awful. I, I owe him a debt of gratitude that I never uh, repay for being so kind and making me look uh, so good. The round before, the first round, playing with uh, Waisaki and uh, uh, Kevin Jones, um, I had a much better showing. And it was... It was I was certainly enjoying myself more. I wasn't in my head thinking to myself, I'm, I'm, I'm literally letting down disc golf. Jesus, this is a nightmare. <laughs> so you just gotta, you gotta spread out the tournaments a little bit more. You know, you play that weekend, you only do two rounds instead of three rounds. That's so next year when you're planning, you know, you're probably going to help out a ton with the celebrity program next year. Just really voice that you only want to play one <laughs> round a day and spread it out between like seven days. I'm getting into much better shape. I'm literally the, the embarrassment of that. I want to, I want to show up with, with abs that look like I actually did a sit up within the last five years. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. Let's, it. let's do this. This is great conversation, but I want to move it and direct it a little bit here, getting into our first game of the night with Andrew Zimmern. Here we go. 
It is becoming a fan favorite, stat or fiction. This, friends, is sponsored by <laughs> Stat Mando. So Evan's in the room. I already showed him earlier here, but here he is again. Evan, you've lined up some stat or fiction for us. What do you got? I got some good ones, I hope. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think they're pretty dang good. Um, all right. So uh, Paul Macbeth earned quite the paycheck from winning uh, USDGC this weekend. Uh, it was 20 grand, right? Yeah, yes. 20 <laughs> grand, which earned him $84.03 per throw, which is the highest of all time. So the stat or fiction is... Paul McBeth earned $84.03 uh, in his win. He now owns the best cash per throw ever for a major and the best cash per throw ever for a non-major as well. Okay, so that is what he's saying as the phrase. We have to determine if that is stat or fiction. Um, I am going to give the guest the honor of going last here, and um, I will start, and I will say to me, and I don't want to give all my inside secrets, but I feel like I'm going to answer that that is a stat. All right, going up. Nick, you're next. I want to agree with that. I think it's a stat as well. All right. So we have our guest here. I would, easy, the easy answer is stat because it all makes sense. But I worry on some skins competition, if somebody threw less, in other words, we know the overall payday was the largest ever. But $84 a throw may have been bested in an 18-hole. Let me cut you uh, off real quick. I love the thought process. To be clear, uh, I should have I should have said this, and I made a note in the answer part but didn't say it. This is standard stroke play events only. So it doesn't include the tour championship stat. because it's, you don't play all the rounds. Okay. All right, stat. All right, he stat. went with stat. Everybody went with stat. So we're either rising or falling together. What's the go. answer, Evan? This is a stat. It is a stat. It is a tricky one. Uh, so $84.03, like I said, that is the highest ever, and that was a major. He uh, has does have the highest non-major, although it was a two-round event, I believe cut short due to weather, at the 2017 Glass Blown Open. Oh, 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 you see? $51.55. <laughs> tricky, tricky. You're on you, the right track. You were supposed to watch our last couple of shows, and you were supposed to know that we have all these little antics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that was fifty-one dollars and fifty-five cents at the 2017 glass blown, uh, glass blown open. The second highest ever, Kyle Klein at Idlewild earned fifty-one dollars and fourteen cents per throw, just barely short, or forty forty-one cents. All right, so we all start on the board with one. Let's see how exciting this gets. We're going to question or stat number two. Okay. Uh, Missy Gannon also earned quite the paycheck. I believe it was $6,000. Uh, Missy Gannon has earned more cash in 2021 than every other year of her, every other year of her career combined. I might whoa, have misworded that. Whoa, uh, every other year of her career. Her entire career before 2021. Whoa. So, let me uh, clarify. I got that. it. It's 2021 is more cash earned than the rest of her career combined. Than ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Nick, you're going first. Andrew, you're second. I'm third. I'm going to go stat. Hey, I think it's good. If you looked at the number, when we hear the answer, it's going to be very close. But I'm going to say stat as well. She had a really good season this year. 
Man, I feel like it's so, I say, I want to say obvious, but again, I've asked why they've looked these things up because they must be close. I'm also going with stat. We're not getting too exciting yet. Let's see what happens. Evan, what's the answer? (laughs) Well, this is a stat, but it is not even close. She has earned $36,000 this year. She earned $19,000 in all of her career up to this year. Uh, Her top eight payouts of her career are all from 2021. And 11 of her top 12 payouts are all from 2021. Congratulations, Missy Gannon. And I think that points out the horrific inequities <laughs> uh, in the women's side. I'm serious. Yeah. That is a na- that should be a national embar- a global embarrassment for our sport. I mean, while we have the U.S. women's national team in courts with the uh, soccer federation, trying to get uh, equal pay with the with the men at, at an age uh, I'm talking about culturally all over where you know glass ceilings should just simply no longer exist we have to have equitable pay uh, for the women we just simply have to I, I I just it drives me absolutely nuts and I think it's congratulations to Missy but that stat points out how horrific and shameful the 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 pay is uh, for the women, and we have to pursue equal pay for the MPO and FPO. That's ridiculous. So can I can I say something really quick before we get into the last question? This was also it's something that show Nick. <laughs> this is also something. This is also something we were talking about last night. So say Paul just won twenty thousand dollars at this event. Say Paul goes on to win the Pro Tour finale. He'll win another thirty thousand dollars, which will put his yearly earnings in tournament winnings this year, over $100,000. That will also push him over the $600,000 mark. So in 2021, he will have made one-sixth of his career earnings in one year. And so I think we kind of talked about this earlier, just the embarrassment that disc golf has kind of grown up with and the amount of money that players are making compared to this year where it's like a legitimate, you know, Paul has a potential to make six figures just in a career earnings. And I think Ricky Wysocki actually, same thing, Ricky, if he wins the Pro Tour finale, same thing, has a potential to just make six figures. But I think it's wrong on both counts. I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's an inequity on both counts. I think, you know, look, in two or three years, purses are gonna triple. I mean, they're, they're, they're just going to. There's gonna be more sponsors on board, there's gonna be more money to go around. This sport will kill itself if the governing bodies don't reward the players. There is no sport without the players. You don't mm. get the players showing up. You're going to have the AFL and NFL all over again. And then we're going to be like we did in the 60s with football. You guys weren't born, but I lived through that. Okay. <laughs> so that's number one. Number two, the, the women should be making the same money as the men. And I, I, I think that's true in every sport. I think it's true in business. I think it's true. I think it's true everywhere. And I think that we can no longer use uh, excuses about number of dollars coming in to do that. I think it would be great if the governing bodies would take a stand and pursue. Now, it is going to be easier this year to go out to other sponsors and get the women's purses deepened. But if that isn't a priority, young women are coming into this sport in record numbers. And we, we need to make sure that young uh, boys and girls are all growing up understanding that it is a level playing field and that is not uh, slanted away from them just because of their sex. So here's 
here's, FPO. Yeah, here's here's to hoping. I mean, sponsors are coming in. All right, let's go into our third, I think, and final, unless we have a tie. Do you have a bonus lined up, Evan? No? I can figure out <laughs> we'll any figure kind of bonus something. for you. All right, we'll figure it out. Here. I got plenty of things. All right, um, Evan. All right, uh, number three. James Conrad is the only player to ever win worlds, but have zero other wins in that season. Oh, man, I feel like this is too easy, but now it's going to throw me off. Andrew, you're up first. Uh, I can't be the, the point of the question. We win this season. Uh, the point of the question sure, is like, James, his only win this season is worlds. So he's the only player to ever win worlds and not have any other wins in that season besides oh, Worlds. Wow. It, it, just because I know that it seems like an thing to say, you know, oh, there has to be, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say fiction. Okay, he says fiction, and I'm glad he did that before I asked my clarifier, because now I'm wondering. You said MPO and FPO? Yes, MPO and FPO. I, I didn't say that, but that is true. It's MPO and FPO. Oh, man. Oh. That does kind of change it up a little bit. Okay, I am going with stat, though. I am going with stat. Nick, you're up. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> I, I want to say fiction. There's got to be someone else that in the early years of disc golf that it had to have happened to as well. Exactly. That's There weren't that many tournaments. Exactly. I felt and similarly, players, players but... Weren't players weren't traveling as much as they do now. And so like they were after the world championships, they were going back to building houses the next day. Like, <laughs> Hey, know. how about I just won worlds? I got to go home and shop, feed the dog. Yeah, exactly. All so, right. So I'm going for the win. They're going for the tie. So we will need a tiebreaker unless I get this correct. So Evan, what is the answer? All right. This is fiction. Oh, and uh, Nick and Andrew, you were on a right. Uh, he is the only player of recent memory to do this. He had to go all the way back to 1988. Uh, Chris O'Cleary uh, uh, won FPO, only played two events in 1988, won Worlds, and then finished third at the 1988 IFO Tournament of Champions. I was, I was carrying the bag for her uh, oh, yeah? when she won. <laughs> yeah, I'm older than you guys. <laughs> Uh, okay, so now, Evan, I don't know what you've got thought up. If you have a bonus question to break the tie here, but give it to us if you do. All right. Um, so for the tiebreaker, I think it's good to keep it open-ended. Uh, just to have more options, I guess. So uh, not quite a normal stat or fiction, more of a quiz at this point. Um, how many times has Paul Macbeth earned $10,000 or more at an event? So they're just picking a number. Whoever's we'll closest. Closest wins with me. No price is right. No so, price is so right. Hold rules. on. You're asking, you're asking a random anonymous fan, me, <laughs> and Nick, one of Paul's close <laughs> friends who also plays on tour, a very specific question about purses, kind of arcane, and you just, just hate me because I'm a Yankees just, fan, <laughs> Boston Red Sox homer. <laughs> Oh, he gave it to you. But you also have to remember, yes, you being a Yankees fan is very bad for the show. Because us oh, three are oh, from Massachusetts. Oh, so, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> but at the same time, it's also it's the Nick and Matt show. And All right. so you no, got to... I get it. We haven't even gotten into the Tom Brady trait, but it's okay. I'll play nice <laughs> with All right. Guys. Moving along. What's es your answer, Esposito, sir? Esposito finished his career as a New York Ranger. 
up yours. <laughs> okay, we have a lot of answers coming in the live chat, but I want to know yours. We're going to make Nick go first. Two. I'll go. No, I'll go first. Two. Okay. Two. He says two. I'm going to go five. All right. Well, the correct answer is four, this being his fourth. So that does give it to Nick. Uh, and now no, I feel bad because I, I asked a question about Paul McBeth. This is right. I, I was closest over. Closest without going over. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's it's, a good point. I was thinking about saying it, but Matt, Matt did Eddie. officially say that uh, <laughs> we are not doing prices Right rules. It was just whoever was closest to save my butt. Okay. There. The other funny thing. Evan, you and I will deal with that later. Nick, we already established this before the show started. You had no idea who I was until tonight, <laughs> and your mom is so a big fan. So, no, I know where you're coming from. That's fine. All right. We're closing out this segment. We'd like to say thank you for playing Statter Fiction. Um, That is hilarious. What's really funny is Skype, for some reason, doesn't get priority over my in-studio microphone. So we see and hear Red Sox. We're hearing all this really good stuff out of you as we were talking over you. So I apologize. But we didn't want to hear about how bad the Red Sox were or how bad Tom Brady was. We just that's how we censor it. We just talk over you. Okay, here we go. Those that don't know. For those that maybe don't know, you guys are all from New England. I'm a born and bred New Yorker who lives in Minnesota. And that means I bleed giants and twins and wolves and wild and lynx, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and whatever our MLS team is. (laughs) But I bleed giant blue. Okay. Giant blue. So you you can imagine we have a long and history in new york of disliking boston yes. sports teams and all right i think all right matt he, this is he gonna be might, perfect he he might also be still a little mad that the red sox knocked the yankees okay. out of the playoffs this year i mean it's you <laughs> know right. just I, i'm okay i'm gonna for, just reel it in this is really fun and we are enjoying it but i think we'll have more fun judging a disc golfer everybody we're bringing it back here we go judge that disc golfer Judge that disc golfer. The game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All right, I am not the disc golfer we're judging tonight, but that is the intro. We did give Andrew a heads up on how this game was played. It is another game where we get to choose what we think somebody else will answer. This is not sad or fiction. This is literally judging a disc golfer after a very short conversation, and we have to guess what they answer. So let's go ahead and be introduced to our first, or it's been a little while, maybe four episodes, here we go. All right, my name's Matt, and what's your name? Russ. Russ, welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. We're doing a segment called Judge That Disc Golfer. So Russ, tell us a little bit about your game. How long have you been playing disc golf for? Disc golf, probably 17 years, 20 years, something like that and started at Pyramids across the street. Okay, so Pyramids is a very old course in Massachusetts across from Maple Hill. And you said 17 to 20, somewhere in that range? Yeah, let's see, I'm 35, yeah, it's been 20 years. Wow, okay, so you've been playing quite a while. So length of disc golf play is significant. Let's find out a little bit more maybe about your skills. Do you have a PDGA number? I do not. Okay. I do not. Okay, so that's part of the hints here. He does not have a PDGA number. Have you ever played in any competitions, leagues, tournaments? I have not. In 20 20 years? 20 years, I have not. You have not played any competition, okay. 
now we're gonna have to try to figure out a different avenue to understand your skill level a little bit. Um, you play out here at Maple Hill fairly often, I'm assuming? Every weekend. Every weekend. What's yeah. your favorite layout? Uh, Old Glory. Old Glory, mixture of the, we'll call balls. beginner, intermediate, a yeah. little, ex okay. So what are you gonna typically shoot during a round out here? Under par? Uh, no. Over par? I'd say hopefully if I'm around par, uh, a good day. Okay, around par yeah. on Old Glory. Okay, so have you ever played the gold layout? Uh, yeah. Okay, what are you typically shooting on that? Uh, I mean, I'm, Estimate. Pl I'm probably between plus 10, plus 15, somewhere in there. Okay, plus 10, plus 15. I'm just trying to give our yeah. listeners and our viewers an idea of your skill level. All right, um, so you... No performances. We can't ask your best performance. Yeah. Um, you're from central Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. All right. We're going to get... Well, you got a dog on your shoulder. Real quick. What's the dog's this name? This is Tuca. Tuca. Is that related at all to any sports? Similar spelling to okay. uh, Bruins goalies. All right. Sensitive subject <laughs> these days, but... <laughs> all right. Well, let's get right into it, Russ. We're going to start out with question number one being, how far can you throw a disc? Okay, we're not going to talk about the Boston Bruins. I know he brought it up, but we're going to move on. <laughs> you should have seen his face. For anyone off camera, Andrew is very upset Throwing that the Bruins hands. even got brought up. Okay. <laughs> we ask this question every single time, how far can you throw a disc? And Evan doesn't know this, but he is part of this game. Well, so I just saw the screen, so let's go. All right, so... Evan is part of this game tonight. He did not know he was going to be. We're judging this disc golfer. Nick, you know how it goes. You start us off. How far can he throw? How far will he answer that he can throw a disc? Go ahead. 375 feet. Okay. Nick says 375 feet. Is this Russ is his answer. Andrew, what do you think? I'm going to, I'm going to say he'll, uh, he'll hedge. So he doesn't come off as too goofy. Plus, I think if he's playing gold and he can throw 375, I'm not sure. And playing 17 years, he'll have a decent accuracy. I think he'd do a little bit better than what he's saying. So I'm going to I'm gonna disc down and say uh, 350. All right, Evan. Uh, they have 375, 350, and now you. I think he can absolutely hit 350. I'm going to say normally he's around like the 330 range. Okay. Let's find out what he answered and who gets the point. Uh, my best day, I'm probably like 350, probably. All oh. right, so 350 feet on your best day. All right, so Andrew Zimmer and everybody gets a point on the board. Wow, you're good at judging people. That's interesting. Okay. I'm old. <laughs> All right, let's get on to it. Question number two, getting answered, asked to Russ. Do you have any tattoos? I do not. Okay, no tattoos. That's fine. But if we were going to suggest that you get a disc golf tattoo, mm -hmm. we're going to give you a few options that you need to select from. Okay. Okay, the first option is going to be a single basket. Don't answer yet. Uh, the next one would be a basket with a disc hitting the front rim, and we'll call that a doink a putt. Okay. Yeah. And you also have the option of a cartoon, Tasmanian Devil 360 Drive, or a disc golf phrase like grip it and rip it or death putt. What are you going to go with for a tattoo? All right. So those are his options. If you need me to list them again, I can, but otherwise, Andrew, you're up first. What is he going to choose as his tattoo? Easy basket, the single individual basket. All right, Evan, you're up. Yep. Ooh, I was thinking basket, but I will go. 
I think he goes cartoon, but does it have to be the Tasmanian devil? Because I think he's got Tuca catching a disc in front of a basket. He has to choose one of my options. Okay, I, I, I will go with the disc off phrase then. Okay, and Nick, you're up. I'll, I'll go with a single basket as well. That's, single that's basket for both Nick and Andrew. Yeah. Evan goes disc with disc golf phrase. There have been some pretty, pretty <laughs> wild disc golf phrases that people have said they wanted to get. Horrible. That's like girlfriend's name. Or you, you know you have other girlfriends. Why would you do that? Or getting tramp stamp across your ass <laughs> that says family well, on it. I mean, it's just a bad idea. We've had guys say something like grip it and rip it on their neck. And I'm like, what? No. Okay. Oh, Here we no. go. All right. No. Here comes no. the answer. Let's see what points we get. We're going single basket. Single basket yeah. is your selection, Russ. It is. All right. Does that say anything about the kind of guy you are? Uh... I mean, I guess it does. Uh, it means, uh, I don't know, I don't like to be uh, boisterous about it, I guess. I don't know. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. All right, he doesn't like to be boisterous <laughs> about it, but Andrew's leading. Um, we have four questions, so there's still a chance. Oh, there's the dog. There's a dog. Look at that. <laughs> Wonderful. Is that, what's the name of that dog? Is it another sports player? Now, this is Luca, who's named after Luca Bronti, uh, the Corleone family killer in The uh, Godfather because he's an Italian breed. Wow. Cool. All right. Cool. Luca, Tuca. All right. Here we go into yeah. question number three. So we're going to go to Circle's Edge. Okay. Okay. 10 meters out. I know you don't compete, but you know what the Circle's Edge is. Yeah. Okay. And we give you a stack of 10 putters. Oh, shit. 10 putters. Okay. You got to make all 10, or you don't have to make all 10, but you're going to take 10 putts. Yep. Yeah. And there's no wind, perfect conditions, okay? How many are going to go in out of 10? All right. We ask him how many will go in out of 10 putts from Circle's Edge. Evan, you're up. I think this guy is pretty solid. Uh, I, I say 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Okay. That's what you think he answers. Nick, you're next. I'm going to say he says 4 out of 10. 4 out of 10. All right, Andrew, you got to pick the number. Well, I was going to say four. Um, do I say five or three? Uh, I'll go with three. Okay. Um, I, let me, let me can I pick the same as Nick. Right? I was just going to say, say, if you pick the same as me and I'm right, no matter what you win. Actually, exactly. if I'm wrong as well, no matter what you win. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be too gamey about this. I was, no, no. I, I believe the answer is win. four, but I'm going to go three. Nick, we have let people choose in this specific question to double up. So if you would like to, you can, Andrew. Oh, I will. Then I'll take four. Because okay. I think I think that's what he's, I really yeah. think that's what he's going to say. All right, let's see how this plays out. And Evan, you said seven? Seven. All right, here we go. Here comes Russ. I hope for five, at least. Oh, but. Ooh. We'll see. I mean, I'll I'll keep Tukes on the shoulder for it. <laughs> keep it interesting. All right. So five is the answer. Yeah. All right. Five. Listen to him. Modest about the length on the fairway, but very confident from Circle's Edge. I mean, as a you know, as a weekend duffer and someone who has no putt at all. I mean, that's you know, Circle's Edge is Circle's Edge. Mm -hmm. For us normie, normie people. <laughs> yeah. All right. F five out of ten for the for the casual person. Five out of ten is very good from thirty feet. All right. <laughs> All very right. Good. We know that Andrew's won, but let's get in the last question here. What would be your favorite weather condition for playing disc golf? Today's pretty perfect. Okay. Today's perfect. Can you describe <laughs> yeah. it for us? Well, it's not too much. Well, it is a little muggy, but it's not too hot, and the wind is negligible. 
So. Okay, so in the 60s, maybe barely tapping 70, yeah. negligible wind, yeah. overcast. All right. I like a cooler. It gets hotter than this. I start melting, so. Okay, so this is perfect then. People just got a little insight into yeah. how you might answer this next one. Okay. We have you playing in your first tournament competition ever, or league. It's a competition round, mm -hmm. so it matters, right? Yeah. We're going to give you unfavorable weather. Your first one has to be bad, and here's your options that you get to choose from that you would rather play in. Okay. Either really windy, 25 miles an hour plus, yep. steady. Okay, it's gonna be hard to throw. Rainy, it's it's raining enough where it's hard to stay dry. Yeah. Okay, or snowing with a couple inches on the ground. Out of those three scenarios, which one are you choosing? Okay, which one is he choosing out of those scenarios? Uh, raining, pretty significant. Snowing, couple inches on the ground. Or windy, 20 miles an hour plus. What is the answer? I think we start out with Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. All right, so am I on? Andrew, you're up first. Rainy. Okay, it cut off right as you said that. Raining. Okay, he chooses rain for us. <laughs> Evan, you're up. He, uh... uh... He made a note to say he liked that it wasn't windy today, and he's from New England. I'm going to say snow. <laughs> he goes with snow. All right, Nick, what do you pick? I was thinking rain as well. Okay, rain. Let's see what he chooses as his weather uh, that he would prefer out of those. Here we go. It's like a couple inches of snow. Yeah. He's a New wow. England boy. He chooses yep. snow. Russ, you were very awesome. The dog, Atuka, yep. totally awesome. Thanks for coming Thanks, on the boys. show. Thank you, man. All right, it looks like Andrew won this one. Let's close it out. Judge that disc golfer. The game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All Russ, right, everybody. Russ, yeah. Russ Tuka can come out to Minnesota and play with me and Luca anytime because we have snow on the ground six months a year, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> It is true. Okay, We're, we've we've gotten towards the end here of when we've agreed upon with you to run a show. I have a quick question before you leave because this came up on our show recently, and I thought today, I was like, man, he is somebody that could answer this question for us. And there's three questions. One is, do you say caramel or caramel? Caramel. Oh, man, it must be a New, Eng New England thing, Evan. Okay. No, see, I say caramel. Right. I, I was actually just talking about this at putting league last week. And I was like, why would people call it caramel? Are you talking about the candy or the cooking technique? Oh, that, that is very different. different. They're very different things and they have different spellings. Totally. Didn't even know there was a cooking technique called that. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, there is my friend. <laughs> Do you like caramelized onions? Thank you, Evan. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense then. Okay. I, I was th okay. All right. I did know there's such thing called caramelized onions. Now but, I retract now, right. what I said then. The, the country evenly divided on caramel versus caramel for a small brown chewy thing that you pop in your mouth and think is really, really good. Uh, nobody says caramel sauce. They all say <laughs> caramel sauce. True. Right. And you caramelize onions. So it is, it is, English is a horrible language. Ask anyone <laughs> who's learning it as their second language. English is terrible. I mean, right. the plural of mouse isn't mouses. It should be meese or, <laughs> I don't know, moose and moosen and box and boxen. Yeah.
Of course. Okay. Of course. Here's What's your next question? Yeah, the next one as we get ready to wrap this up here. This came up about two or three episodes ago. I believe, and you can correct me, I believe it's a Greek dish. It's spelled G-Y-R-O. How do you pronounce that? Oh, listen, oh, listen to you. Gyro. <laughs> listen to you. Now, here's, here's the issue. Here's the issue. What's the name of the one-eared painter from the 1880s? Is it Van Gogh? Or is that Picasso? I don't Picasso. know. Picasso. No, Van Gogh. Van Gogh. No, right. Right. Van Gogh. Okay. okay. In Holland, well, in, in Northern Europe, Belgium as well, it's Van Gogh. But you sound like a pretentious moron if you walk around <laughs> saying, oh, we were at a museum. We went to a Van Gogh show, right? And I hate people who come back from traveling abroad and sprinkle in a couple of nouns that they learned over there and pronounce it that way. It's like, oh, what'd you do? You know, we, we, we went to Japan we for two weeks with the family and we saw Saka. I mean, it's, you, it's okay. We live here. It's, it's Van Gogh. It's Osaka. If you're speaking Japanese or if you're speaking Dutch or if you're speaking Greek, you should pronounce it in the way in which that language asks you to. But here, it's just, it's not a gyro. That is what it is not. Well, what about a gyro? I call it a gyro. <laughs> Nick calls Unbe it a gyro. Unbelievable. Un unbelievable. I, I, I may like have lost Andrew Zimmern. And my no. mom's going to hate me for that. Not, not at all. Where's your, where's your favorite place to get uh, a couple of stuffies? you know, and uh, a lobster roll and, you know, a, a dozen oysters in Beantown. I don't know. I mean, we used to go to a place called Brown's, but then Fenway Park was where I would get all those kind of good foods. Mm -hmm. Interesting. <laughs> he just shaped you up so do you hard. Live, do, you live, do you live in the Boston area, Nick? No, well, actually, I live in Virginia now, but I used to live about an hour west of Boston, right in central Massachusetts. Oh, okay. All right. Are you going because no one What's actually calls it Beantown? My favorite thing to eat? Uh, <laughs> oh, that's tough right now. Pizza bites. <laughs> no. Um, my favorite thing to eat. Lately, I've been on a big Chipotle burrito kick. I mean, okay. that's been like the last year. But then also, I love hibachi. Hibachi. Okay. Hibachi is probably my favorite thing to eat. I could sit down and eat hibachi. Okay. The the next time I'm wherever, I mean, I get this whole thing. Everyone lives in a different town. And by the way, Evan, I'll call it Bean Town whenever I want to. Okay. I'm <laughs> yes. from New York. Uh, but yeah, we all have to go out and grab a meal uh, somewhere. I'll take you to some fun places. Absolutely. Yeah. We should blast. take this. We should take this on the road. We'll do I, it. If you yes. want to come out, this is this is a serious offer, and I'm sure you get them all the time. Maple Hill is five minutes from this home studio here. If you want to come out and play Maple Hill, I'll make sure you get the full experience. It'll be a great time. We'll do a tour. We'll, we'll take the show on the road. <laughs> no, I love the way you say the full experience, like P at Fenway or something. Oh, you it know? is. Ooh, exactly. no, we'll, I, we'll make I, sure. I got you. We, we need to do that. We're trying to do a thing next year at the preserve. I shouldn't be talking about these things out loud. Should I, uh, this year I was shooting TV right up until the day before the preserve. And I had been talking to all the players and tournament organizers. And, you know, Kale is a good friend of mine. Uh, and we were like, yeah, we have to have a party at my house for everyone. And just, you know, everyone who comes in the, the community, 
let's all have a, a little cookout thing, barbecue it, well, a big cookout thing at my house. And uh, I, I really do want to make sure that more of those things happen. It is my uh, firm belief that if you put thousands of people in a location for three or four days in a row, uh, six days in a row, if you count uh, all the people who are loading in, players coming for practice rounds, there should be a food component thrown into the whole disc golf thing. And I firmly believe there's only one person for that job. And it's not Nick. And it's not, I was just going to say. It is definitely not me. Maple Hill, and we're going to wrap out. Maple Hill. I love it. Just added a tailgating section on fairway or right off the fairway of 18. So that's an experience you have to come out and have. I I love it. And we will email me off off air and let's, for next spring because I would love to I do go out to Fenway every day a friend of mine has season tickets and I go to opening day at Fenway all the I just love it really so in a late yeah an early spring round out there is is let's do it great on a cool day so that way Russ won't be offended it's not too hot he doesn't (laughs) like to play when it's too hot Uh, and congratulate uh, Paul and Missy for me I'm uh, extremely excited for both of them and thank you for the great all kidding aside I've been a wise ass the whole time my apologies Uh, you guys are fantastic and what you're doing for the sport is helping to elevate all of it Um, and for you to do this um, you, you do this because you love the sport and you're trying to spread the gospel of it and there is nothing more important than singleness of purpose. I admire that most in people. And what you all are doing is really spectacular. So thank you for all that you do. Wow. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate that. You've you've probably made me laugh more tonight than any other guest that we've had. So it was a very big pleasure of mine to meet you finally. Thank you. Right. And say I've always wanted I've always wanted to say this on air anywhere. Say hi to your mom for me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. See you later, guys. Awesome. Super stoked to have you on. We'll talk to you another time. Have a great evening. All right, everybody. That was, we'll call him Celebrity Chef Andrew Zimmern. And what a great time that was. Um, We are going to be sure to follow up, Nick. Sounds like he wants to get in a round with us. So that's pretty cool. We'll make that happen. Um, As we get ready to transition here, uh, we. Uh, So Paul's on Hannah's account. Yes, I see that. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, let's do this. I just, I just had to text my mom really quick and be like, yo, Andrew Zimmer just said, say hi to your mom for me. So I don't know if my mom's actually watching right now. Um, I haven't been in the chat, but anyways, that was very fun. All right. Very very fun interview. We kept him 10 minutes longer than we should have. I hope his, we had to work through, I'm guessing it's assistant or however it is scheduling assistant. We've done that for months and it's been actually a good experience, but like to actually Mm -hmm. meet and talk was excellent. And now Nick, I probably shouldn't give it out, of course, but I have his cell phone as far as I understand it. We were texting today, so our chances of maybe meeting up to play kind of went up a little bit more. So, all right, here we go. Let's go ahead and thank some people who support our show. Let's get into that. Uh, There we go. So, Nick, my brother just ran and completed 100 miles, and I found myself as he came through the finish line saying, you need some hemp field. And you know what's funny? Hemp field botanicals is a CBD product, but I have now coined CBD as hemp field. So mm-hmm. you got to get some hemp field. That's like what I, it's what it is. It's what I find myself sitting in work calls and my wrist is a little bit from work calls. No, not from work calls, mm-hmm. playing disc golf, you know, 
yesterday, but sitting during the work call, I find myself pulling out some of this salve and there we go. It focuses in for me and I just put it on my wrist. And honestly, <laughs> within 15 minutes, it starts feeling so good and it lasts for hours and it's mm-hmm. honest. It's great. I love it. Nick, what's your experience with Hempfield? I, I can't say enough good. Well, yeah, exactly. I plus I love the name Hempfield Botanicals. Like it's just a really cool name in and of itself. But then this last weekend, I had a pretty active weekend. We had some friends visiting here in Lynchburg. Um, we went out, played basketball. We played some volleyball almost every single night. And um, I found myself like the next morning with my body not feeling great, my ankles and stuff like that. And so same thing. I'll be using the salve. I'll be using all the stuff that they've given me in the past. And then throughout the day, I could just notice that it started feeling better. I wasn't in as much pain as I was before. And so I've, I've been loving it. I'm very curious to see throughout the whole off season using it consistently, how, how much better my body is actually going to feel from it. Yeah. So I want to say thank you to Hemfield for supporting the show. You guys, and I mean, you guys, that's a new England thing, by the way, you guys, that's another term that we need to figure out. I know in Pennsylvania, it's like using and you walls and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And who, Anyways, down here, y'all. down here in Lynchburg, everyone just says y'all, y'all. Okay, I say you guys, and that includes everybody, even the the women who are watching our show, listening to our show. We love everybody. Um, you really should go check out hemfieldbotanicals.com. Use the code Nick and Matt get twenty percent off your order. If you're not using this product, I guarantee you, you're missing out on a better product than what else is out there for your needs, whether it's anxiety, sleeping, uh, joint pain, whatever it is, hemp field, um, feel good, play better. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. Hemp field botanicals. It looks like, and I'm getting dings and chimes over here. We're going to go ahead and start to bring in Paul. Um, but that gives us a few minutes here as I line him up. Nick, what do you got to talk about? <laughs> Let's see. Or Evan, um, any random good stat you can no, do as I, an intro? Oh, I guess, I guess we do. I was just going to share like a story from this weekend and just talk about, you know, I had a good weekend sure. in the sense of like hung out with a lot of fun people, played some disc golf. I went out and played this morning. It felt great. Uh, but it was funny because on Saturday, so I went down to Charlotte last week and uh, I drove down with Paul. We ended up playing a couple practice rounds and then the week of the tournament, I went back here to Lynchburg, Virginia, and I was saying how I was probably going to go down Friday and Saturday to go catch the last two rounds of the tournament. But there's always been this ongoing joke that, you know, I jinx Paul sometimes when we're at tournaments. And so because he had such a good third round, I had to stop myself from going down and it ended up working out in his favor because he ended up winning the tournament. And then, (laughs) so that was really cool. But then yesterday, uh, Paul's brother and I, Jonathan, we actually drove back down to Charlotte and Paul was kind enough to take a bunch of us out. We actually went and saw NF, which was really, really fun at a live, live concert and everything like that. Outdoor pavilions. It was sweet. I saw your story. And when you said, watch how he jumps on stage, it was epic. It was dude. So Paul and Jeff have seen NF multiple times and they said, you need to like pay attention and then start recording right here. And every single time (laughs) I'd start recording, it was like too long of like for anything to happen. And then, so I was just sitting there and Paul's like, no, 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 go right now. So I start recording and all of a sudden I just see NF jump up on stage and I'm literally just sitting there. My jaw dropped and I look back at Jeff and Paul and I was like, yo, that was the sickest entrance I think I've ever seen to a live concert. Dude, like it, is he have it like badass. a, like a spring loaded something that like launched him up? Cause he comes it, like flying be, up and yeah. landing on no, a stage. No. Yeah. He literally just got like launched spring loaded and literally just like <laughs> landed perfectly on stage right behind the drummer. And then all the smoke comes up. It dude, it was so sick. It like, 
I need to save that video because okay. I don't think I actually did. But, All right. Yeah. Well, without further ado, we've lined them up. We got them in studio. We want to talk about this big win. We've had them on numerous times, often after big wins. And let's bring him in because he just won a big one, everybody. Um, let's welcome to the show, Paul Macbeth. How are you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? You you are doing pretty well. You are doing pretty well. First, let's just start out by saying congratulations as I did. But as part of that, it's coming up in the conversation that that was a big payout. In fact, it, we just found out it was a stat that that's the largest cash per throw, if you break it down that way, for any normal PDGA stroke play event. That's the largest cash per throw ever. You you set another record. So uh, it beat it beat Germs three round one. It did by uh, by a lot actually. I didn't realize okay. this until Evan was telling me yesterday. Or uh, excuse me earlier. But yeah. yeah, can you can you take a guess, Paul, really quick? How much you think you made per throw? <laughs> um, no idea. Well, probably just under ten dollars per throw. <laughs> probably like probably like nine seventy. Stop it! Come on, Paul, Paul, is that a real guess? You the disc like two hundred sixty times, huh? and you made twenty thousand dollars. No, no. Yeah, no, no. We're uh, not talking cash per throw your whole career. We're talking about at this last tournament. Oh, oh, oh. I do oh, have oh, his oh, whole sorry. career yeah, as well. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, yeah, because I only threw the disc what two hundred something times. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, yeah, so then I guess okay. it's like closer to a hundred. Yeah. Okay. What is it, Evan? Real quick. <laughs> uh, entire career is eight dollars and seventeen cents per throw. Oh, career. Okay. What was the event? Okay. Oh, this yeah. one. Oh, uh, eighty-three. $83 or something. So I just wanted to bring up, it's it's got to be an interesting thing as an athlete to talk about money, especially when it's yours. But something you announced at the beginning of the season was all of your earnings are going to the Paul Macbeth Foundation. Do you have any idea of what your winnings are this year? I'm sure Evan can pull it up for us real quick. But do you have any idea on what you've funded the foundation with this year? Yeah, it's just shy of 79000 right oh, now. Baby. So, so yeah. So I guess that's that's the current PDGA record money all time in a year so i know oh, that okay for, for an off year in i was just gonna say so <laughs> for for a washed up guy the money has increased but that is excellent we can't overshadow that the fact that that is all the highest payout for a year ever has gone to a foundation not even the player that's epic that's epic yep okay that is correct so, Paul, how does a win like this leave you thinking about your 21 season? Uh, because you just actually did quote Mark saying, you know, an off year or whatever, down year. How does this win leave you feeling about the full season? Does it change anything for you? Uh, I mean, it doesn't change anything. You know, that that that's definitely the goal every year is to go out and focus on the majors. Um, you know, those are those are career. Those are those are tournaments, you know, that that are career milestones. So uh, it doesn't it doesn't change anything. Um, I'm, I mean, that's, that's what I work for each year is, is to, to take down those majors, uh, all the other events are, they're big events, you know, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going to them, but, uh, but those are the ones that really have my focus. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was a James shot, James Conrad shot away from having world's address DGC this year. So, um, I mean, it's a pretty successful year if you ask me. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick, I, I know you guys talk off air, but feel free to ask him a question. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I was going to say, I feel like I picked his brain the last two days anyways. <laughs> no, but on a, on a, I guess on a serious note, um, talk about your third round. You played in the pouring rain. You went out and you shot, I think it was the hot round that day. And then going into the next day, what were the differences? You know, what was your mindset going into round three and your mindset going into round four? 
Uh, round three, I, I kind of just woke up and I felt like I was just in a good mood and just like I, I knew the rain was coming. You know, woke up, looked outside. It was raining already. Um, and I just kind of knew like I could either look at this and be negative about it or I could just play in it and know that everyone's going to be playing in it and just focus on my shots and, and, and moving forward. I know the, the turf isn't going to be as, as grippy, so I'm going to have to take a little bit off and I'm going to have to find a way to, you know, work through that throughout the day. And, and in the warm up field, I was actually warming up and Bradley Williams walked up uh, next to me and started warming up. He's like, wow, shot looks really good today. And I was like, yeah, just, I think I just know that I'm going to be slipping out there. I know to just get off my feet as quickly as possible, like put my plant foot down, throw the disc and get off of it. Don't try to plant real hard and stay there and hold the, you know, hold the follow through, like get off that pad and let the disc go and, and go from there. And it uh, worked out really good throughout the day. I, I don't think I had any OBs, I had no bogeys. Uh, and I made a lot of circles edge, you know, inside the circle or just outside the circle putts uh, pretty much the whole weekend, but uh, especially that third round. Um, and then, Mindset for round four was uh, I had a, a couple strokes. I had one stroke on Chris and then a couple on the rest of the field. So um, I knew I knew hot round. If I if I shot the hot round, I'd win the tournament no matter what. But that clearly didn't happen, and I knew I was in the lead. So um, I did have some strokes to give throughout the round, but uh, I just had to keep it close no matter what uh, until the end, and and that's when that's when I pretty much had to go all out if, if needed and, and really push uh, because I know I can birdie those final, that final stretch if I need, but uh, I'm not always, not always going for that every round. Yeah. And I kind of want to talk about that, how it started closing out from a fan's perspective. We saw earlier, uh, a third, two thirds of the way through the round, you faltered, you got a double bogey. Then you started playing out and you started hitting some bigger putts that you needed to make. Um, I'm thinking of what's that triple Mando hole where it takes a hard left and it goes into the woods there. It feels like you saved a nasty 15. par there. Yeah. 15. Yeah. 15. Yep. <laughs> that one. I, I left, I, I thought I threw my drive really good and it would just end up being a little short. Uh, that's one where you can just really push it far if you want. Uh, but sometimes you bring some trees into play, but if you can get into that right spot, it's a fairly easy upshot. And I just left it short, uh, got into the bushes a little bit and had to throw a forehand roller and then had to throw another forehand roller but i walked up uh on my third shot to kind of see i saw I, I needed to get it right um to get into the gap to have a putt um so preferably i would have been a little closer but i still had like a 38 footer uh with nothing in the way just a low ceiling and it was really dark in there that was the hardest part was how dark it was in those trees so um that one knocking that one down i knew as long as I didn't bogey in that situation, I was going to have a chance. Uh, so, so that par save to me was, was really big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so and then, like, exactly walking through that, then you go to hole 16 and then I'm just going to jump right to hole 17. Everyone's calling that a massive putt. If you missed that putt, was it OB from your perspective? No, I don't think it was going OB. I mean, I, I it still had probably another foot to go up in order to go OB. Um, and I don't think it was going left enough to go OB. Uh, but actually, 16, I missed it so bad from a similar distance that I, that actually helped me uh, make the putt on 17 and make the slight adjustment I needed of just getting some. It was almost the same distance, but the opposite way. So I, I knew after watching that miss on 16 that the only adjustment I had to make was put hyzer on it and let it let it float there because uh, I got it too flat on 16. It kind of just died in that wind and just dove right into the ground. So then 17, I just 
put that hyzer angle on it and let the wind carry it there. Um, and that, that really helped, uh, was, was, you know, having the wind the opposite direction as well. Mm -hmm. um, well so right to left. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw some of the commentators under the bus and maybe it's fuel to the fire, but I think they called out that was probably the worst putt they've ever seen of your career on hole 16. So you... yeah, I, yeah, it was just, it was just, I just misread the wind. Um, and that's why it just kind of wobbled. And I, I kind of <laughs> got it flat and that left to right and it just slammed it right to the ground. Mm. And so, but then you stepped up to 17 and hit a massive putt and you could tell at that moment what oh, I could, I feel like we can tell at that moment. What were you feeling? What was going through your head hitting that putt? Well, so I guess before that, when we were on the tee pad, we got up to the tee pad of 17 and I'm like, all right, I need to check the scores. I need to see how, be, I need to see how aggressive I have to be here on 17. Uh, cause I knew Kyle was ahead. We were at 25, I think. Um, and he was on, I think he birdied 17 or something like 16 or 17 like that. So he got to 26. Then we get to hole 17's tee pad and we I check in scores and his score changes to 24. And we're like, what the heck just happened? Like, his score is still not in on 18. Did he miss his putt double bogey? And now I'm up one. Like what's going on here? Um, cause it didn't show that he was completed. So, um, I was like, all right, well, I just got to put this on the Island. And, uh, so I went to forehand and played it way, right. So a lot less aggressive. I was a lot less aggressive than I would have been if I had to birdie it. Um, so put it on the Island, start walking down the fairway. People are like, no, he's actually at 26. They're screwing the score up. He's, you know, two better than it says. So now all of a sudden I went from thinking I was up one to down one. Now I need to birdie either 17 or 18 and I'm on the Island. So I'm not in the best spot to run it, but I I'm on the Island. So I have a chance to run it. And uh, then I just kind of told myself, it's like, all right, <laughs> I don't know what his score is. I just need to go for the birdie. Like it doesn't matter. Like who knows he could be at 27 for all I know right now. And I'm still at 25 because um, maybe he made that putt on 18 that he's still sitting circle two at. So ran that putt, made it, and I knew it was huge because I still had a chance to birdie 18, and even if he was at 27, I'm, I'm about to you know catch him in time right now. Uh, so that's what my mindset was right there. Yeah, I think now – Yeah, go ahead, Nick. So now you're, now you're going up hole 18. You throw a shot uh -huh. in the middle. You get your second shot. I don't know how far do you think it was, 45 to 60 feet? I'm, I'm not really sure. Yeah, so on the, on the tee, uh, it was still that left to right strong headwind, and I was like, all right, just get it in bounds. No matter where I am in bounds, I'll be able to reach the green. So it was a little bit shorter than I wanted, but I was in bounds because I didn't want the wind to carry it OB right or do something weird and, and lift it and make it hyzer out left. So I kind of threw a little shorter. And then uh, through my onyx from there, I would say it was probably 55, 60, probably, the, probably uh, closer to the edge of circle two. Um, and again, I still didn't know what his score was. I didn't know if I trusted it or not. Like, is, is he in there adding his paper card? Is he at 27? Is he not? So, um, I told myself, all right, you know, you're, you're either going to make this and win or you're going to make it and tie. And then I told myself, if I miss it, at least I ran it. Um, but I'm either going to be tied or, um, I'll lose by one. You know, I never, I never had the thought of going OB cross my mind, um, because, I just felt like in that moment I was going to, I was going to make it or at least keep it close. And, and I would say it was maybe an inch left of, of being in and, and just ending the event right there. Yeah. And like, this is just me. I talk about disc golf every week and think about disc golf, multiple shows. And I'm like, 
I, I'm glad you answered that. What was going through your mind? It was just the mentality of I'm going to make it. And at least if I don't, like I tried. And because we were thinking about worlds, you had that catastrophic moment happen to where you played the percentages the right way and it went one way. I felt like here at USDGC, you were like, I'm just, I'm going to take control here and try. Is that part of what it was? Uh, no, it didn't have anything to do with worlds because I was kind of in that in that spot to to take it, you know. So it would have been the opposite of what happened at worlds. But but uh, I felt like Kyle might have been thinking that, you know, with with his putt on eighteen of oh Paul, you know, Paul had had James take it from him, and he felt like he was probably in the driver's seat in that at that point, to where if he made that putt, he he wouldn't regret laying it up or whatever. So I think he ran it uh, more so than I did in my situation, but. Um, no, it was, I don't know. I just felt like, I felt like I was going to make that putt. So I went for it. You know, I didn't have any doubt in my mind of, of there, I, there wasn't a moment that, that crossed my mind to lay that one up. Interesting. So, okay. So you missed the putt left side. You make the next putt. You guys are tied up. Scores finally go through. Now you're going into a playoff. Uh, we had Andrew Zimmern on earlier and he was talking about kind of his perspective on everything and just thinking that, you know what, Paul's probably got in his mind that, you know, he's not in a playoff against James or Ricky or Eagle. He's in a playoff against Kyle Klein, who's having a great year this year, but he hasn't been in too, too many of these massive positions of one, this is competing for a major and two, this is a playoff against, you know, one of the top three players in the world at the moment. Did you have any mental mindset of like, you know, Oh, it's a playoff against Kyle Klein or it's a playoff just against any other competitor. Like, are you treating them all the same? What's kind of, what's your mindset going into the playoff now? Um, I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with Kyle. You know, I, I think if there was any other competitor, you know, like Rick or, or when I had the playoff with Will or, or Eagle or whoever, you know, they're, they're very gettable holes. It's kind of holes that are, who's going to make the first mistake really, uh, you know, one seventeen and 18, they're not, they're not extremely skilled shots that we have to throw 18, maybe the most, but, uh, um, it was just really who was going to make the mistake first. And, and he just kind of, Again, with that right to left, he put a little bit hyzer on probably a slightly overstable putter or mid-range and kind of carried into the bush, which was probably more so the common mistake because people wanted to, to focus on making the mando before anything. And uh, it's just naturally easier to throw throw a hyzer than, than try to throw the flat shot like I did there and just let it float and uh, get over that log. So I think, I mean, I think, I think a lot of people would have made the same mistake he did. And now, do you have any, you were saying how you weren't thinking about worlds going up to your last putt. Did you have any thoughts of where your putt was on the playoff hole of your 2014 playoff? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I saw that log. I saw it was pretty much gone. And that was kind of like, you know, I, I felt like that was kind of the moment I had right there is I'm in the same spot. I can make this putt and it's going to completely wipe that away. You know, mm -hmm. that miss from my mind and, and, and pretty much, you know, the history of having you know me losing a playoff here at this tournament yeah. so you know that was kind of the representation i felt that putt had is that now it's just flattened like that log and i think a lot of people can probably agree with this but we saw more motion out of you those last six holes especially with those big putts than we have more so at other tournaments and i guess we'll just mainly talk about that final putt all the pictures that are going around instagram and facebook right now it's probably the most I would say for my perspective, one of the most intense kind of like surreal moments of your emotions coming out, like what was, what was on your mind when you did make that putt? Um, 
Well, I think because I was more frustrated with what was going on with the scoring than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just kind of frustrated with how I how I let that tournament slip a little bit uh, by not not playing that well, but but still being able to to fight back and stay in it. And it was kind of just like kind of just that was just, you know, I felt like I was fighting in that moment. And, and that was, you know, what that putt meant was, you know, just me continuing to fight and just continuing to fight through my frustration but also being just excited because i'm i'm taking advantage of these moments that i have and and this you know this putt that i had in front of me uh so 17 and then in the playoff very similar because i don't know there's just so much i i don't know i don't want to i don't want to use the word doubt but similar to that like in the sense of i didn't know what was going on with the scoring there i didn't know what was going on you know, with a, with a lot of things in that moment. So as soon as I made it, I was like, all right, now I finally know what's going on. I just won this tournament, and I was just I was just pumped up. And I don't know, it, it was cool to see the picture. So maybe that'll be be a new norm. We'll see. There you go. <laughs> I, I'll I'll echo what Nick said. I think most fans experience uh, most fans of Paul Macbeth and those who are j- really strong fans of disc golf probably experience that emotion as well. I know Hunter, you're one of your biggest fans here at my house, was just like epically jumping around when you hit the putt yeah. for the playoffs. So it was a big moment minus that one. Um, can you? Pick- well, I do want to add one more thing. Yeah, go ahead, one Paul. One more thing. I th- uh, one thing too is is when after the Conrad throw in, um, you know, I was walking up 18 and, and kind of knew like, all right, I just won my six worlds. Like, this is awesome, but I wasn't going to celebrate. And now after having Conrad just take that from me, it's like, I need to, to live in the moment. I need to, to experience this the whole way through, you know, from beginning to end. Um, so I think that's kind of a lot where a lot of the emotion came from too, is, uh, you know, I need to, I need to, I can't let my guard down at any point. Um, so that's kind of, yeah. That makes sense. Oh my goodness. I don't know if anybody else in that moment experienced that. I was just like, Ooh, baby. Like I just got goosebumps from you saying that because I lived that moment in my head with you. And that's a cool shared moment <laughs> in a weird way that we get as fans, but uh, that's an epic moment. But can you talk real quick as we get out of the tournament mindset, but the last topic here on the tournament would be, um, besides the putt to win it the playoff putt what would you think in your mind is maybe some of the top one two or three biggest moments of the whole tournament things where it went your way well i think i mean if i was to to pick a couple i mean it's 14 15 16 17 18 and the playoff like that stretch right there um someone told me that uh whole four, 14 uh ricky was in the six same spot. He threw a forehand long, about 35-40, past the basket, and right into that head when they said Ricky had that same spot, and he kind of almost bounced it there. Uh, but I was able to read it and put it put it in the basket and get my birdie. Um, so I got uh, 13 and 14 back-to-back after double bogeying 12. And then the par save was really big because that big putt, 16, even though I made the par there, it, it allowed me to make that putt on 17. You know, I was able to to look at that and take that moment of such a bad putt and turn it into a huge make on 17 and then 18, um, just barely missing that putt, uh, again, gave me the confidence going into the playoff on that putt on 18. Cause it was just, it was a shorter putt obviously, but it was a similar win and I knew exactly where to put that disc in order to make it. Um, so 
each one of those, you know, those misses led to the next make that I had. Uh, so that was, that was by far my most important, you know, you could look at the first round and see some of the big par saves I had after going into hazards, or you can see some of the big shots that I threw in the second round. And, but I think the one that put me in the be- best position was round three, but that was, that was the entire round. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, I think if I did have to pick it, though, it was right there at the final stretch from, from 14 on. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So, I don't know if Nick has any other question on the tournament, but we do have circulating around social media right now that you bagged a fan's disc that they gifted to you. Um, yeah. One is that obviously I'm sure that's true, but secondly, how often do you do that? How often does something like that happen? Can you tell us how that went down from your perspective? Um, so yeah, I can tell you how it went down. How often? Probably more, more often than people would think. Um, but yeah, so what happened was I finished my first round um and on hole 12 i was going for the going for the the green i guess essentially it's not an island but i was going for the green trying to carry over the ob and i threw my my uh zeonix uh the ones that they just kind of released as a limited edition i threw it and uh, it flipped over into the trees and i was like what happened here and uh i didn't think about it but in practice i was throwing the hyzers on 14 and they kept coming up and hitting the concrete road. So I didn't really think too much about it. But uh, once I got into the tournament, it was kind of a little bit flippier than I anticipated, flipped into the trees. So after the round, I don't remember the kid's name, um, but after the round, this kid was uh, standing in line for autographs. And he said, hey, can I give you this? And I was like, oh, you just want to give me this? He's like, yeah, I dyed it. I, I, I want to give it to you. So I was like, all right. Like, I just was going to take this Onyx out of my bag. So let's trade. So I gave him my, I gave him my, uh, Z Onyx and, uh, he gave me that Onyx and I went out to the field the next day. Yeah. I went out the next So I put it in my bag. I left it in there just so my bag wouldn't rattle around. I wasn't going to put a new one in my bag. Cause I did have another, I saw three in my bag, but, uh, threw it out in the practice. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is exactly, it like fits right with the, the other three I have. It's like fills the slot that I'm missing. So I actually threw it the next day on hole 12. And got it in bounds, and I missed my putt. And then uh, I threw it on. I think I threw it on 18 day three, and then I threw it on 18 day four. And I told I told Steph Curry, my caddy, uh, I said, "All right, I'm gonna throw that kid's kid's disc right here on 18, and 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 win with it." And I almost did, but uh, uh, yeah. So it's it's definitely in my bag, and he's got my he's got my Zionix black one with the gold stamp. People absolutely love that. I think it tells a lot about who you are. And as an athlete that you're like, hey, this is my tool and I appreciate the gift. Um, I think we've made it to where we've you've answered all of our questions. We've taken up enough of your time. Is there anything that you want to announce to the world? I always give this opportunity to guests because sometimes there's something just lingering that they haven't said yet. Is there anything announcements wise? I mean, changing up sponsors? Is we breaking contract agreements yet? What? No. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't have anything new. Uh, but before people start giving me discs and when they die, I'm, I do have to say <laughs> there's certain molds like a Zeus. You can't really give me that because when people die, they tend to get flat. And I don't really care for that. The distance drivers don't do it. But uh, like an Onyx is good, a Buzz, a Zone, anything that's got kind of a flatter top. I can definitely put those in my bag. No promises, but, but I do it quite often. Um, and I don't always have a disc to give back, unfortunately. But most of the time I try. 
Um, but no, I don't, I don't have anything new fun right now. Um, you know, just $20,000 going to the Paul McBeth Foundation, which is really awesome. Um, and then I got this last tournament right here, which I think there might only be two of us, maybe three, that if we win it, we'll eclipse $100,000 earning for the year. So kind of wild. me, Ricky, and I don't know where Eagle sits, but I can see he'd be the only one probably at that 70,000 mark. Mm -hmm. Wow. So. You set yeah, a lot of you, you set a lot of standards for yourself. You set a lot of benchmarks for the sport. You are doing everything you've ever dreamed of. I feel like, well, maybe not. You haven't reached all of them yet, but you're doing a lot. We thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we're we're here watching as you get to compete in the Disc Golf Pro Tour finale. That is epic. Uh, and thanks again for your time, Paul. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Good luck, my dude. Peace out. All right, everybody. Paul McBeth. If you didn't know who he was, what are you doing on our show? <laughs> Uh, anything stand out to you, uh, Nick, Nick or Evan, anything stand out to you about that? I, there was, woo. I'll let, I'll let, I'll let Evan go ahead. All right. What I, do you got? Evan? I got to say your brother, Josh did such an amazing job running a hundred mile marathon to raise money for the Paul McBeth foundation. And this dude, Paul McBeth just decides to go win a tournament and put $20,000 in the bank, blowing your brother, Josh out of the water, <laughs> totally one upping him. Like that's a little rude in my opinion. No, oh I'm just kidding. I think that's so that's so awesome. That twenty thousand dollars just goes yeah. to charity, just like that. Like he has such a major yeah. win, and then just boom, it also just goes all the charity. I, I love seeing that. It is yeah. incredible, and I'm glad you brought up my brother. I should have brought it up to him on air just to like say, "Hey, Paul, you want a big major? My brother ran a hundred miles, raised over a thousand dollars for your foundation." But yeah, Paul, Paul showed him up. It's true. Um, so. We have lined up in our green room, our next guest. We're just popping off guests like crazy, big names too. Like we're not like, this is a, this is an epic show, Nick, if we've ever had one. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Let's go ahead and bring into the show uh, our third guest of the night. Last but not least, Missy Gannon. Oh, look, it's Paul McBeth with Missy Gannon's name. Let me fix that. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, Missy, we can hear you though. So how are you doing? Okay, good. I... I'm great. I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Oh, hold on. Your weekend. There Tell we us go. a little bit about it. I feel like you did something pretty insane and we all want to know. <laughs> well, yeah, I am your first ever uh, throw pink women's disc golf champion. So, yes, that's a pretty big deal. And yeah, I'm just so honored. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I there was such like. It's USCGC weekend, and then now it's the Throw Pink, you know, Women's Disc Golf Championships. And I heard a lot of people saying this to where this tournament for the women was not a major. For people who don't know, it wasn't two majors being played at the same time. It was actually, I'm pretty sure, just considered an A tier, correct? Mm -hmm. That's but right, yes. From what I heard, how the event was ran and the everything that went into it, a lot of players and a lot of spectators are saying this feels exactly like I'm watching a major on the woman's side of it. And I think that's a really incredible thing is because a lot of times this year we have looked at how the PDGA has ran tournaments and there's been a lot of scrutiny and a lot of, you know, bad taste with certain things. And, you know, that kind of goes back also to the United States women's disc golf championships out in California. There were things that, you know, happened out there that you probably think wouldn't happen at a major event. And so for the team to go out and we, um, for the team, excuse me, for the team to go out 
and be able to put on an event like this for the woman. It was very, very cool to see. I love the separate streaming ideas. Um, so, I mean, congratulations. That's an incredible feeling. So now tell us, we were just talking to Paul about his mindset going into the final round. Tell us about your mindset, just going through the tournament in general, but specifically towards the end of it, the final round. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, he, he said it, he set himself up um, to, in a good position. I was in the lead going into the final round. It was only by one stroke. Um, so anything can happen out there. And, uh, you know, a lot of strokes can be given and taken at any time on any given hole. So uh, for me, it was just do more of the same, you know, that I was doing in the previous rounds. I, you know, I shot one over par the first two rounds except I was under par going into hole 17 every single round. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I knew that if I could just overcome hole 17, which we all know about and we all talk about, um, that I was going to be fine. So part of my success in round three was not only did I shoot a pretty hot round at four under par, um, but I finally walked away with the par on hole 17 and, and finished out uh, clean. So that just put me in the best possible situation going into the final, the final round, just being up by one stroke, knowing that pretty much only one hole was giving me trouble every other round. So again, if I can just, you know, play my game through uh, every hole before hole 17 and just try to minimize the strokes on hole 17, um, that I felt pretty comfortable with, uh, you know, the, potential outcome of me taking it down. Mm -hmm. Now for people listening to the show right now and people listening to it post-production, the walk from hole, if you don't know, the walk from hole 16 is basket to 17's tee pad is a pretty long walk. It's just up this little uphill road the whole time, but it gives you a lot of time to think about, okay, I'm going into the treacherous hole 17. It's an Island. It's got specific rules on how it needs to be played. How was that walk for you going up that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's one of those one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, we were talking, we were kind of joking about it. Tom and I actually like, oh, I wonder why they don't have like a shuttle bringing us up to <laughs> hole seventeen from hole sixteen. But I'm yeah. like, it's because this is how they want it to be. You know, they want you to have that time to think about, um, you know hole 17 and what it could mean for your tournament and uh so it's it's actually really cool i think it's it's a another one of those things that you always hear about with us usdgc and um so it's kind of just become one of those one of those things that everybody the players the spectators the people watching from home are all probably feeling as well you know like especially, you know, we had a huge gallery, even uh, the women had a huge gallery. And uh, so just having everybody sort of, you know, trucking up that hill with us. Uh, yeah, it just adds something, something else to it. And uh, it's, yeah, I think it's actually pretty cool. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just an amazing little time to, <laughs> to be walking up that, mm -hmm. that hill. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, from the perspective of a fan, this event seemed much larger. Nick was alluding to that. It seems larger than just another A tier. Did you agree with that feeling? Does this win feel bigger to you than another win this season? Where does it rank for you? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it feels, I think, from what I've seen, too, from comments and things like that, I think a lot of people did think that I just won my first major major title. Um, so uh, although it technically was not that, I think that everybody understands the difficulty of Winthrop, the, uh, you know, how iconic that course is and this and USDGC is. Um, and so I think what what comes along with the with this event with the throw pink event specifically um, was that it basically was run by a lot of the same people and um, they also had practice with it uh, last year running what was a major in the women's national championships there um, so it basically was identical to that and so just because it was an A tier I don't think I, I think it still set itself apart from any other A tier. I think it still was very much on par with many of the elite series events that we've seen uh, this year. And, um, you know, I, I know for one that my sponsors felt like, you know, this was a major win for me. Um, so I think from a, from most people's perspectives, including mine, it does feel like a, a very big milestone in my career. That's great. No, I want. Yeah, I just want oh, to say ahead. I even ahead, I even found myself, and if I'm being honest, I know what the tournament was, the Throw Pink Championship. But I was like, she just did it. She has won the U.S. champ. You know, like <laughs> like it was even in my mind. And I'm like, wait, 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 calm yeah. down. Like it's a big win. She did the same competition on the same course. It's just not right. quite that title. But I think you feeling the way you're feeling. It's totally, I, I think I agree with it, understand it. It's what your experience is, and it's what a lot of people experienced watching it. Um, now, I'm going to move on because we're right up against the Disc Golf Pro Tour finale. Um, mm -hmm. You just won a great big event. Does anything feel off with your game? Are you changing anything, working on anything, or are you just happy with your game right now? I, I'm very happy with my game right now. I mean, I think, honestly, it comes down to... Um, the decision-making aspect of disc golf for me. It's like, sometimes I just, I, I just have too many, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little too indecisive on what I should throw or how I should throw it or, or whatever. But, um, I know that I can execute every shot that I feel like I have, um, or, or that I even need for say a course like Hornet's Nest. Um, so, it's just having a solid game plan and just trying not to question myself too much. Um, so honestly, I feel really good going into this weekend. I did play uh, the clash, which was held at Hornet's nest uh, the week before um, the women's national champion, or sorry, the throw pink women's disc golf championship. Um, so we played pretty much the same layout, a few different changes. So honestly, I don't feel like that was a really good, way to practice um but also get those competitive rounds in and re-familiarize myself with the course and now so now it's just trying to figure out the things that maybe I did wrong there and just correct them so I feel in a really I feel like I'm in a really good spot and um I'm yeah I feel like I have a really really solid game plan I've, and I've had almost you know a full over a week of practice at that course, pretty much, um, including that event. So, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel good. We'll see what happens. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that we've 
kind of consistently talked about throughout the show is just the amount of money that people have been making lately and then also tournament winnings and stuff like so that. Nick, and so Nick, this hold on. We lined up a stat or fiction. We <laughs> well, lined up on this side. We want Evan to do a stat or fiction on this Missy stat. I knew where you were going. That's, ex that's exactly. I was going to ask Evan if you were giving stat or fiction do, for Do us. you want to bring it up as stat or fiction to Missy? Yes, stat or fiction to yeah. Missy. So right, he's right. going to give you a statement, Missy. You, I don't know if you've okay. seen this game. He's going to give you a statement and you have to decide if it's a stat or if it's a fiction. All right, Evan, give it to her. Right, okay. All right. Mm -hmm. You, Missy Gannon, have earned more cash in 2021 than every other year of your career combined. Stat. I actually just looked at that today. <laughs> <laughs> she cheated. Perfect. I didn't know you were going to ask that. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So I, what I does just, that, what does that mean thought, to you? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but I have to give it, I have to give a shout out to the entire disc golf pro tour because that was basically the main part of my tour this year um you know and the national tour or the majors and and everything because the payouts have just become um just so incredibly huge and uh you know it's 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 not i mean i did still have my best uh year yet in terms of finishes but um i just think that it's a combination of yeah me playing consistently but also you know the 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 tour just stepping up and having so much added cash so many sponsors and um yeah i just it's a it's crazy to think about that, that you know and it, i think it's like it kind of what i made this year so far is pro probably blew my other years out of the water by like a lot so <laughs> um yeah it's really it's really crazy i i don't know what to say it's just it's a really cool time to be in the sport and it's only getting bigger so it's it's awesome for all of us yeah it's, it's definitely a good time to kick some ass at these tournaments like you have been doing all year <laughs> definitely definitely good time and so you're you're coming up on the last big event of the year you, is it the off season for you after that what's what's kind of your plan yeah i think i i thought about playing a couple of other events um but honestly at this point it's it's uh it's going to be nice to just sort of be done for a little while um but yeah we're we're gonna i think actually hang out kind of in the south i think we're gonna be in north carolina for a little while longer um after the pro tour championships and then um you know we'll go back to new york for the holiday season so thanksgiving and um christmas and and then i think uh I don't know. Maybe there'll be another, like an actual vacation in there. I'm not sure yet. We're trying to figure out what we want to do, but, um, but yeah, we're definitely going to have a pretty chill off season before we, you know, kick it back into full gear probably in like early January or so. Okay. Very cool. So Nick and I are going to hang out at the Capital Discs Open. It's a new tournament. It's November 6th. I don't know if you've heard about it. They probably reached out and said, come play. Right. But They did, actually. Okay. Now, we're not here to pressure you to play, but Nick and I are going to be up there as Nick and Matt show. We want to we wanna mm -hmm. support the event. We're going to be there. Um, but let me ask, do you have any concern? This is how Matt Graham functions, unfortunately. Do you have any concerns about, like, I'm playing so good. Like, I don't want the season to ever end because if the off season comes and then like I come out in 2000, like, is it going to be the same Missy? Do you have, have you had any of those thoughts or what are you thinking? Like, where's your mental game? Uh, not really. I mean, I think that I say that I'm going to be taking a break from disc golf, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to last like a week and then I'm going to want to go out and play again. So, uh, we'll see. It's really just to, you know, have my body recover and, 
sort of mentally take a chill pill. Um, but no, I don't, yeah, I haven't really thought about it. I think that if, uh, honestly, if I can just, you know, keep my confidence up and at least, you know, touch a disc every, I don't know, every couple of weeks or something, I think I'll be fine. But who knows? You never know. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't believe I asked that question. This is not the Nick and Matt show jinx. No matter what happens, we're we're here cheering you on. I would just throw yeah, this yeah, one I'll out there. Yeah, I'm just going to throw this out. And this is a jab. Don't go to Hawaii. I'll say that. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right. I can't believe I said that either. This show is out of control. So, Nick, do you have any closing <laughs> questions? Are we good? No, I just want to say once again, congratulations. It was very cool to see Discraft come out on top at an Innova event. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's very cool to see Discraft come out on top at big events like this. Um, makes me feel special being a part of the team and being able to watch what you guys get to do. Appreciate you once again coming on our show. We love having you. Mm. It's very, very fun. And so good luck at the Pro Tour finale. Kick some ass out there. And who knows? Maybe we'll be on the show again next yeah. week. Maybe I have like a million interviews I've, <laughs> oh. I think I've lined up for. So. We'll have, we'll have our people cool. talk cool. to your people and we'll figure right. something yeah. out. Well, all right. I also want to say, Missy, I'm down in the studio. It was about 90 degrees that night when you were all in studio, but yeah. I, but I figured it out. Well, it's the time of the year. I open up a door and it's nice and cool outside. It is actually chilled down here. So if I can figure out the air conditioning, we'll do another in studio. We loved having you in here. We'll do it again, okay. MVP, but we'll figure out the air. It was too hot. It was okay. too hot. Yes, it was too hot. <laughs> it was very hot. We had a lot of heavy hitters in that room. So maybe, you know, we all were just exuding. Exactly. Uh, Everyone just going back and forth with each other. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Missy. Good luck out there with the finale. We'll talk to you again later. Thank you, Thank you guys. See you All right, Peace. everybody. Missy Gannon. Uh, I've said it every time we've had her on. I think she comes off as super good, first of all, talking. And then secondly, mm-hmm. smiling. And again, watch. I'm going to pull it up for those watching. <laughs> There's a freeze frame. Look, smiling all the time. Even the going away. Yeah. She's smiling that she's finally done the interview. <laughs> Did you hear her? She's like, I have so many interviews lined up. So we had the first one, I think. Um, That's awesome. All right. Very cool. So, Nick, we've made it to the second point where we really need to thank those who support the show. Let's get into Mm -hmm. it here. All right, everybody. Manscaped. Autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch. And our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you don't carve your pumpkin pants. I mean, your pants pumpkins when you're grooming. Okay. I see what I see what they're doing there. If you know what I'm saying, make sure you keep things fresh this fall. We aren't talking about pants pumpkins, although that's pretty cool. Wait, pumpkin pants. I don't know. Whatever it is to you, that's understandable. Here we go. So they're the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys get ready for cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap into the fall with Manscaped. Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to Manscaped for 20% off. If you use the, our code Nick and Matt. Nick, what are oh, you wearing a Manscaped shirt? I'm wearing the Manscaped shirt. If you go to manscaped.com, 20% off using the code Nick and Matt, as you see it on the screen, including Mm -hmm. shipping. Nick, there's a lot of great details here that I'll read, but like, what's your favorite and why are you using it? (laughs) I think, you know, we say weekend in, weekend out. The kind of like easy use of their products has been really nice. They're all lightweight. They all come with chargers with them. And so, and they actually last a really long time before you even have to charge it. Um, But just, they're very convenient. They're lightweight. They have lights on them and they also, they work really well. I think that's the biggest thing you can take away from it is they work well. 
we back their products. They, you know, we love it. And then same thing with people. If you are using our code, shoot us a, shoot us a message of it. We want to see it. I've gotten Matt and I have gotten countless messages of people sending us saying, Hey, we just bought it free shipping, 20% off your order. It's, it's, an incredible deal. And then they say, now pay the men, meaning like they're they're they bought it. So hopefully we get supported and we do get supported. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Um, mm-hmm. Nick, I'm still laughing about pumpkin pants. I think I need to go get some pumpkin pants. All right. <laughs> there you it's go. time to bundle up with Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their lawn mower. 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer. Believe me, that's actually one I've used and I like and I'm talking about. I use that all the time, actually. Yeah. The crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, toner, performance boxer briefs, the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. I'm just throwing it out there. And a travel bag to hold all the goodies. They have a lot of grooming things here. Go check them out, manscaped.com. Let's close out the ad. I just realized I shouldn't have my music lined up. So that's how I did it. I said, let's close out the ad. We'll close it out. There you All go. Right. Evan, having you in studio is so helpful to us. Um, someone asked, because my brother finished 100 miles and he raised $1,000. What's that per mile? I mean, can you do the math? <laughs> Cash per mile? Yeah. What I'll, is that? I'm going to go with $10 there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that's right. He's like, Matt, what do you take me for? Well, oh, there's Missy again. Sorry, I'm doing that every although time. Although I'll let computers do that work for me too. I don't need to do it in my head. <laughs> they used to say calculators were going to make kids stupid because they didn't have to do the math, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, shout out to my brother. I was there at the end of the... Well, actually, I met up a few what they call aid stations throughout. And he was generally in good spirits, but I was like, dude, you just ran like 70 miles. Like, I don't even know like what you're going to be like when I come to talk to you. Right. Guess what he wanted to do. The very, no, he wasn't the first one. It was the second one I saw him at probably about 75 or 80 miles in. He starts talking about Paul Macbeth. He's like, can you believe like this went down that I checked on my phone while I'm running. And I'm like, wow dude was into it i'm getting text messages yeah. paul Macbeth in a playoff huh? and i'm like dude you're running 100 miles and like how are you even like thinking about disc golf that's but that's mm-hmm. how much he's trained for it and yeah. thank you to everybody who listens here who participated in supporting that fundraiser he did meet his goal nick i saw i think you were probably following along a little bit with stories and whatnot uh mm-hmm. you, you ready to do a hundred miler uh absolutely not I would, uh, I'd actually be curious to see how far I could run. And obviously you're not running as hard as you can. Like you're, you're pacing yourself. Clearly I'm curious to see how far with pacing myself, I could even run before mentally I just break down or even physically just break down. Um, and so I have been running lately and I'm going to start pushing myself. Actually, I'm getting to the point to where I want to push it, you know, instead of a mile and a half or two miles, I want to try to get up to two and a half or three miles. And so, yeah, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen throughout the off season, but a hundred miles, I can't even fathom that. <laughs> I remember watching like your Facebook post, your whole family, cause we're friends with all your family on Facebook and just seeing the numerous posts about it. And I'm like, this is absolutely insane. And then did you take the video? Which one? Someone took a video. Someone took a video of Josh running in the final. Yes. I put together a little something of him at the end. Yeah. Running in. Yeah. And I was just like, holy, because he, he even said on the podcast, he was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete it. And then to see him go and complete, mm. that was, it was pretty sick. Yeah, it's epic. And it was really inspirational. Yeah. And 
I record another show with with him and we'll see if it happens tomorrow. I saw yeah. he took the day off from work, very smart of course, and he sat down to Good watch he sat down to watch USDGC the post produced of the live coverage. Now, we're actually not on purpose. I just did the transition there because that's where we're going. Um Nick, there was unfortunately, I'm going to give a little rant here. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties outside of the control and i'm going to do an asterisk to this outside of the control of anything that was reasonable at this point in this mm-hmm. golf history um they had glitches of like internet not being available out in milwaukee which is where they produce the show um mm-hmm. and then possibly and jeff spring sent out an email to disc golf pro tour fans and those who subscribed i think that's really where it went those who subscribe to the Disc Golf Network, saying that there might have been some other, I don't want to call it a glitch, but a way that Vimeo, their streaming software provider, handles when a spike in viewers come during the live stream. And it seems as if it's possible that that spike also cut out because it was right there near the end of the event. And it was getting really exciting. If Paul hits us, he wins. If he birdies, it pushes to a playoff. And it (laughs) seems as if Vimeo, I'm... I'm speculating because of the email we saw might have had some restriction to some people getting bumped out or not people getting in something along those lines to where they experienced right at the end, right before like Paul's putting out, like maybe cutting out and then it was cut out and some people didn't get it back till after the playoff. My experience was it cut out for a little bit right near the end of the final hole. And I'm like, Oh great. We're not going to see how this finishes out. It came back for me. And then I saw pretty much from the playoff on all the way out, no issue. I want to say this in my rant. I, (laughs) this is me. This is Matt Graham. This is not like, I'm not saying your opinion's stupid, but I'm going to say right now, I'm sick of it. I am so, so sick of it. Like, I don't know. There's no perspective in most of these comments that people have. This is not how you grow the sport. This is horrible. Like, we need Jomez. That's the only way. YouTube's the only way. Um, Innova hates the sport. This is the worst thing. It just proves how bad live streaming is. And I want to tell you something. You're all wrong. <laughs> like, this. that's my opinion. That's my opinion. You're all wrong. And I can see the chat's going to start to blow up here in a minute. But I want to say... The growing of the sport does not have to be done, number one, in a specific way. I think, and this is me, I'm not saying the only way. One of the ways is to take one of our premier events and to put a lot of money into it that is received through live streaming, make it prestigious, make it special. Honestly, it is what it is. Not everybody even got Mm -hmm. to see this event because they chose not to pay to watch it. And that's their choice. But I don't like when they complain because they chose not to watch it, that they don't get to watch it. And we don't get to watch it for a month. You could have paid. You could have watched it. Yeah. That's where everyone's, I'm at with it. Like, one, one last thing. Fine. One, one yeah, last thing. You, no, you could have paid. You could have watched it. And those saying it was only live. Live is not growing the sport. Or pay-per-view is not growing the sport. Again, this is one way to do it. It doesn't have to be every event. We had Disc Golf Network all year provide us free the final round coverage. Free. Disc Golf Network. People who are calling out Disc Golf Network, you're wrong, number one. This was not their event. They signed a contract after, after the season has started to say, 
we want that event so we can help out our disc golf network listeners and subscribers get extra content at a cheaper rate than what Innova would have had it out there for it's disc golf network's not the issue here i applaud disc golf network for getting that for us okay the other thing is <laughs> you could watch the event post-produced and everyone's like really yes you can the fact the fact that it was live they put it up almost immediately immediately right after where you could watch it post so people are saying, I can't, it doesn't fit in my schedule. I get that live argument. And I actually think that's very valid. Not everybody has that time to do that, but you can sit down. My brother did it today, watched it out in true fashion of it felt like live and their production. They had 40 people, 40 people as part of this production. This is not a joke. That to me outdoes anything that Jomez, Central Coast or anybody has ever done as far as the amount of production team. And if you got to experience it, I'm almost done with my rant. If you got to experience it, you saw so much, not downtime. You saw so much action, nonstop. In fact, I have little kids at home who watch this disc golf tournament. And my wife goes, hey, at the next commercial break, you got to go clean your room. And I said, honey, there's no commercial breaks anymore. Like, this is all action. It is phenomenal. There was, that was the best production I've ever seen. My rant is going to that point because when it cuts out, that is unfortunate, but that does not have to do with the actual content quality that you could see minutes after it completed. They had the, the three-hole replay minutes after it was completed that you could watch in its entirety so you didn't miss anything. So I think it's funny when people complain that live sucked, but they don't even like live. So then watch your post-produce, which went up three minutes later, and enjoy your post-produce, but you can't have it yeah. both ways. All right, Nick, that was it. And by the way, I love everybody out there. Sometimes I get in a rant and my wife everybody thinks everybody love everybody. My, my wife thinks that we're getting divorced sometimes because this is the way I go off. And she's probably not wrong. I, I need to calm down. But no, that, I, that was my hey, rant. Dude, I had to get it off dude, my if chest. You're passionate, if you're passionate about something, don't apologize for it. Go out and be passionate about it. I mean, I, I want to agree with pretty much 99.9% of the things that you said. I'll always be an advocate for live disc golf. I love live disc golf. I love being able to watch in person big tournaments. Not everyone is able to do that. But being able to watch live coverage, and every so often there are technical issues. Everyone here is talking about growing the sport, and we got to do this, we got to do this. We're in the stages of that getting to there. Um, the pay-per-view argument. What what was it? If you weren't a DGN subscriber, was it like twenty-five bucks? If you weren't DGN, it was twenty-five. Yes. And then if you were DGN, it was twenty, right? Yes. Okay. Not everyone's financial situation is the same. $20 to me is not a lot of money when it's something that I am so beyond passionate about and that I love watching. So for me personally, this is my opinion. I am very happy to pay $20 to be able to watch four days of arguably the biggest tournament of the year or the second biggest tournament of the year. However you want to look at it. That's $5 a day for me to be able to watch the lead card and also also multiple other shots from other competitors. Crazy thing is, I get to watch the throw pink women's event where one of my best friends is commentating it. And then I also get to watch the MPO coverage for $5 a day. That's, that's not a lot of money. Don't go out to eat that day to McDonald's or something like that. But now I'll talk about without my opinion, this is just what I think, I guess it's still kind of my opinion, but where I see other sports people, a lot of what people are saying is you can't, 
bring new eyeballs to a sport behind a paywall. And I, I think that's true to somewhat of a point, but at the same time, <laughs> look at what UFC does. Like if you want to buy the main fight card for a UFC event, you have to spend, I don't know, a hundred dollars and you get to watch UFC for multiple hours. Don't get me wrong. This was one event. I agree with you. Well, also, it was one event, but it was four days long. No, I know, but like, I just mean like you're not. We're not charging the whole season. Oh Evan's yeah, trying to cut it. That's in. the other. Th yeah, that's the other thing is that the pay per view. This is only one pay per view tournament, yeah. and to be honest, like I don't think that's a bad idea. I I, I really don't personally. Um, but at the same time, like, kudos and shout out to G DGN, even putting themselves in the position because they know people want to see disc golf. And so they're going to put themselves themselves in the position to be able to give people disc golf. And if you're a DGN subscriber, it's only 20 bucks. If you're not, it's only 25 bucks. It's not like it went from $20 to $80. And like I said, it was literally four days of watching a major championship and then watching a massive a tier for the women play that almost felt like a major championship from what a lot of them have been saying. Well, I don't know. I it's Evan. Evan yeah. I was gonna say, Nick, you're a big Celtics fan. Uh, how are you oh, able no, to yeah. watch the Celtics, especially down in Virginia now? Weird. I like. Oh, okay, so Hulu Live Sports or like Hulu. Live, I forget what account it is, but it's whatever one comes with sports, and I have to pay Hulu every single month to watch that. Whenever people say other sports are free, I just want to mute my microphone and yell in silence. And I just want people to see me yell. Like you have to pay unless you're going on Reddit or you're going on these pirated websites, which if, if that's your thing, go for it, do it. But I love watching the Celtics basketball. Guess what I got to watch the other day because I pay for sports. I got to watch the Red Sox beat the Yankees. I also got to watch the Red Sox um, because of ESPN do a walk-off home run and what the bottom of the 13th inning last night. Like I pay to be able to watch these massive things in sports. And I'm fine with that because how is the sport going to make more money? How is the sport well, going to be able to get better? I, I, I want to say, first of all, if this is your first introduction to me, eh, I don't usually run the show quite this way, but it's been building up this week. Uh, secondly, it, this is how, in my opinion, and I know disc golf is kind of unique here sports are supposed to be consumed and i say supposed to that's a hot topic right i think that's typically how it is so then people finally are buying into or maybe they didn't i'm going to go ahead and give this a try live and then it glitches out i get where the frustration comes from but mm -hmm. would you have been supportive i'm saying you to those who are really upset would you have been supportive of this live broadcast had it not had the glitches you would have said oh this was the best thing i've ever seen or would you still be doing thumbs down on it. That's my question because I think that's where your tendency is lying because I watched it in the production. I'll say it again. It's not perfect. It's still a new sport and new growth, but it was really good. And, and uh, Hey, look what I'm wearing. <laughs> the DGN hat. So mm -hmm. I, I will just say this. If, if people I've seen comments, all different comments coming in here talking about money, I will give you my one last opinion here is, do I think that pay-per-view is best for exposure for the sport? No. Yeah, you heard me say it, but that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're, if, if someone said, Matt, we're doing pay-per-view the whole season, I probably wouldn't think that was a good idea. I'd, yeah, I'd be against that. And, and someone just commented saying like, hey, you know, imagine if you pay for the whole regular season and then the Super Bowl is pay-per-view. I get what you're saying with that. Like, I, I truly do. This was something that Inaba decided to do. And what did Jonathan say last week? They did it for like a two year 
They're giving it a go for two years. Last year was the first year, and then this year was the second year. So next year's USDGC might not be pay-per-view. They could look at this and say, you know what? If we work out a deal, I'm just speculating. If we work out a deal with DGN, all these subscribers, you know, they're already subscribed to it. And this is just more incentive to be subscribed with DGN, especially now that the Disc Golf Pro Tour is hosting all the Elite Series events. Like, it, there's trial and error right now, <laughs> especially with disc golf and what is such a huge momentum year in our sport. It's almost like a trial and error thing. And I, I, I personally don't think USDGC next year will be pay-per-viewed. I don't think Worlds will be yeah. pay-per-viewed. I honestly think this will be the last pay-per-view event that Disc Golf ever had. All right. It's possible. I, it's possible because it's possible. Yeah. because Disc Golf Network is going to probably try to make some deal. I Exactly. But here's the Yeah. We got to wrap up that conversation. I think it's going to be beating a dead horse. That being said, I would just like to see there be less like... And you're going to say, well, Matt, you just ranted for 15 minutes. But I would like to see there be less of this animosity or just negative added towards like things like the quality sucked. It's the worst thing ever. They're just money grabbing and blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, this is a community I'm part of. Like, I've been and I'm going to get a little bit sensitive here, people. This is Matt Graham again. This is me. This is like, this is our show. I I go to it. I went to a church for a long time. And there, now there's going to be people that are like, oh, now we're talking. Like, I agree with Matt here. I felt like people treated people like poop there, too. And it really bothered me. I'm like, what kind of community am I associating myself with, right? That's something I have to work through as a person. But, like, opinions are okay. But just to be so negative and call out, like, how bad it is, it's the worst thing. I get it. We're a talk show. We do yeah. the same thing. But. Thank you, from Fresno for the $2 super yeah. chat, by the way. But That's like, just generally try to have some perspective. And for those of you saying that mm -hmm. the quality was Nintendo quality, I don't know what you're watching because I was watching in full HD and I paid the same dollar amount you did. So I think it's your internet there. I'll end it on that. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I, this is, this is, it's literally, it's a discussion that, <laughs> you know, it, it happens so often, but it's really hard to come down with like a settlement at the end of it. I mean, people are going to have their opinions on everything and people are going to like, what will happen in the future. We talk about change. We talk about growth and everything like that. I mean, I'll, I'll end it on this. If you want to talk about really quick, the growth of disc golf, go and look up the 2014 USDGC in the playoff and look how many people are standing behind Paul when he has literally the exact same putt. And then look at the pictures or the video of Paul's putt here in 2021. The growth of the sport is it's there. It, the sport is rapidly growing right now. And I think there's going to be a lot of things next year that happen. They're going to be for the better. And so, I mean, <laughs> trial and error. USCGC did trial and error stuff. It is what it is. It's over now. You know what happened at this point. Paul Macbeth won and Missy Gannon won. There you go. I hope people appreciated the extra rant. They're just driving around. And what happened is they're stuck yeah. in traffic now on their way home from work. And it's just getting worse. And they're hearing us just spout out about all this stuff. And they're like getting angry. They get home and their loved ones are like, what's wrong? They're like, I just finished listening to Nick and Matt show. Yeah. <laughs> like sour grapes, know, right? baby. Like, I, I, I just want to say one thing yeah, so that is a point before. of positivity. I think it's really awesome that people like to consume this sport in different ways. I think people are going to love watching live. I love watching live the best because it's in the action. If I'm not watching live, I'd rather follow you desk. People are going to love watching post and they're going to like to see it afterwards, more condensed, maybe a little bit higher quality because it is post. 
And that's awesome too. If that's how you consume, that's totally cool. People might even like uh, pay-per-view just because you get the extra bonus. They had more cameras. They had more options. They had more people on staff. It was even, even better than it normally is besides, you know, the big hiccup with the glitch, but that's another story that Matt got into. It's just, okay. People, <laughs> people like it in all different ways. You might not even want to watch coverage and you just want to follow the scores. Like all those ways are great. I, I don't like people saying one way is the better. Uh, and your opinion is better than other people's pay-per-view could be a good model. It could not be a good model. Pushing live so much could be a good model. Could not be going only put like, there's so many different ways. There's so many different opinions. Uh, watch what you like to watch. Uh, and if you don't like to watch it, either give it a try or respect it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I first of all i love that evan's in studio and can say these things because it helps be right. like it's not just nick and matt being the way we are i think he's a good common I, sense yeah, no kidding. um but then someone said my wife walked in i'm assuming into the room where he is and asked why i was typing so loud so <laughs> he's in the chat really getting active i want to nice. say this i got really and this is part of me and if you've listened to the show for a long time when i said originally to my wife i'm going to start a podcast she's like oh no she's like that is like your personality. Like, does anybody else watch sports talk? Now, I'm not doing this on purpose, but I always said sports talk is there to rile up the fans. They say the stupidest stuff. It's not even a word. The most stupid stuff. And I'm like, they're doing it because I want to call in and scream at them. I didn't do it on purpose. It's part of my nature. I apologize if it offended you, but it was just, it needed to be said because it was just building up in me that I'm like, there's more perspective than yours and there's more perspective than mine i want to support all types of growth in disc golf including pay-per-view that's fine in fact i saw somebody this is the craziest thing i need to get off this topic the craziest thing was i want to see a line item how of how innova is spending this money before i support and i'm like this sport disc golf is crazy like i don't care where the money goes if it goes to buying the guy his first mansion i don't care at all because is the quality of what I paid for what I paid for? Like, am I getting what I expected? And I get that's some people's issue with how the live ended up being. There were some glitches. They missed some things. And guess what? Disc Golf Network is going to try to make that right. They sent out an email, respond to that. I'm not telling you what they're doing. I don't know, but they're going to try. So like all around, guys, this season has been the most talked about everything. Like from me at the beginning of the season, calling out Ezra, like, is that a fluke to now? Like we're here with talking drama of Disc Golf Network. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Austin Funk, thank you as well for the five dollars super chat. That's uh, yeah. appreciated. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's <laughs> it's tough to. I don't know. It's tough to even end the conversation because you could say a thousand things about it. Well, I don't. I got a wild you know, stat for you if you all want. Right, all right. All right. We don't even yeah. know the numbers on how many people because that might be behind lock and key. But all right, go ahead, Evan. Uh, did you know that Paul Macbeth lost his seven previous playoff appearances before winning this weekend? I, so I did see that stat. I didn't know it was seven. Um, cause what was his last playoff win? It was against, um, Shushrik at like Beaver state. Yep. Uh, 2015. Then, yeah. Uh, and then, cause I remember I actually, I was thinking it was 2014 when he beat Ricky in the playoff at worlds. And then I was trying to think in my head, I'm like, okay, how many times has a playoff occurred since then? And then I remember Beaver state fling. And then I'm pretty sure Beaver state fling happened twice. Cause yeah, didn't he, he lose in a playoff to Ricky at Beaver state? He, he won in 2015 in a playoff over Shoestrick. He lost in 2017 in a playoff to Ricky. Yeah. Also lost twice at the hall of fame classic in a playoff once to Michael Johansson and the other time to Ricky. Uh, 
And then just to name the other ones, uh, Nick Hyde, he lost to Simon. Kona Piste, he lost to Simon. Uh, and then twice to Ricky, lost to Dickerson earlier this year at the Huck Central, and then lost at Worlds mm-hmm. to James Conrad. So I, mm-hmm. I know the Worlds was on his mind about losing in a playoff to Conrad and kind of, like you say, kind of gotten taken from him. I, I, I don't yeah. know if Paul knew it was exactly seven uh, in a row, but I wonder if he knew that he had lost quite a few playoffs or maybe not a streak, but a good amount in a row. It, it could have been on his mind. He just like, I want to make this putt an 18. I just, I, I just want to be curious. done. I want to win now. So now go back to 2015 when you get a chance, yeah. um, go back to 2015. And then how many did he win in a row? Has he won any in a row? Ooh. Like, you know, has it been multiple years in a row that he won playoffs? Like this, let's this say 2013, cool. 14, 15. Um, he has only won back to back playoff appearances once his first two. Oh, which did you, no, I'm just yeah. interested. Uh, which I mean, crazy. His first playoff win uh, was over Philo. Really, at the 2008 Higher Flyers Memorial. Huh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, then he won his next one at Shelly Shelly Sharp. Sharp lost to Eric McCabe. One lost to Ulibarri. Lost to Rico. Lost to Schuster twice in a row. Uh, beat Ricky. That was 2014 Worlds. Uh, lost to Schuster at USDGC. Then um. Uh, beat somebody at the Oklahoma Open. I don't have their name here. Uh, and then lost to Jeremy Colling at Memorial. And then mm-hmm. we're back to Beaver State where he won. Pretty well, wild. Well, I've either removed people from our feed, as in like they unsubscribed or they're subscribing because they like they agreed with me. It's polarizing the opinion I had. I get that. And I hope you can see I'm smiling, not because I pissed people off, because I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah, I started a disc golf podcast and then I'm just like screaming into a microphone and then I'm like, okay, guys, if this happens once a year, I hope you can handle it. All right. Um, Nick, we're going to have hope some it good happens more. Yeah. <laughs> Nick just sat back. He's like, I can tell Matt serious right now. When I started going off, he's like, got his hands behind his head. Yeah, just I'm like, like <laughs> I'm just going to start chilling right now. <laughs> once like... it, once it hits nine o'clock, that's usually when I start leaning back in the chair and I like move my stuff around just so I can, you know, be more comfortable. All right next week we're going to have a good show i'm sure because we're going to try really hard to line up uh winners or interesting storylines and uh i've got some topics lined up like just think of this maybe end out the show thinking about this until we get back together uh based off of this year and we still have one more event but who are we too high on right now that will be a disappointment next year so i remember this happening coming into this year some names Kevin Jones, right? He won the finale last year. And I was like, oh man. In my head, I started playing him too high. And I don't feel like he, I think he played how he was supposed to this year, but like, I don't think he met what I was expecting, right? So then it seemed like he was way underperforming. And I'm like, what's wrong with Kevin Jones? But I think he's right where he needs to be right now. Um, But so think through that. Like what players are we too high on? Um, And we'll have to, wait until the finale's over to kind of see what we're feeling. But I think we made it to that point. Uh, Nick, I think we have, unless you've got anything else or Evan. No, I, I just want to say what a star studded show we had tonight. Wow. I mean, Andrew Zimmern, that, that was probably the most I've laughed in an episode. And especially after meeting someone for the first time tonight. And just even before the show even started, I was like, Hey man, I got a question. My mom wants to know this. And he's like, 
what, sir, you're not a friggin' fan of my show? And like, here's just, <laughs> just a really comical guy. I, I really do hope that we can all get out for a disc golf round in the springtime up in Massachusetts. But, uh, and then having Paul on after a huge win, Missy Gannon on after a huge win, just what a great episode. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to toot, toot our own horns really quick. Evan and Matt. <laughs> when, did, when did we switch the name people to the, like, uh, Nick? People, people are like Nick and Nick Matt, Matt show. And they're so Matt arrogant. Show or Evan show. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> so yeah, arrogant. Nick and Matt. And oh, Evan. Yeah. we already had people in the chat asking like how much Evan gets paid. Does he get paid? Why is he there? If he doesn't get paid, like people want to know, we're going to keep that secret right now until we, we get to open contracts here on the Nick and Matt show. I'll day. say this. We, we, we have blackmail against Evan. And so right now he is forced to work with us and I'm not going to say what the blackmail is, but we got something on Evan's family. And so he's oh, working with us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Evan's awesome. It's been such a, you know, I'll just say it, it's been such a blessing having Evan and stat Mando and all the guys that put all the work into stat Mando helping us out. Cause it, we don't even like this week. I don't even think we talked about all the different notables that came on. Like, <sighs> We're going to have to do recap you know. show next week. And yeah, somebody exactly. remind me in a message. I'm sh shouting out to all of our fans out there who will send messages. Remind me, because as we get towards our later shows, this question that I just asked is like a wrap-up question is part of this. Do you remember? I think it was early in the season. Nick, we had a conversation. Who would win this year and who wouldn't? Who would have some wins and who wouldn't? And I said, remember the notable one? I was like, Calvin won't. Now, what's interesting is, I wasn't that far off. Number one, he, uh, we're, we don't need to get in the topic. My point is I want to go back through that list. Somebody sent me, I think, a timestamp of when we did that. I want to replay that at the end of the season and go, were we right? Were we wrong? How far off were we? That'd be really interesting. Yeah. So, all right, Nick. Who did I say? Who did I say? Did I say Kevin Jones or Nico again? <laughs> I, don't I can't remember now. Yeah, whoever whoever somehow can find that timestamp without Matt or I trying to do it, we would very much appreciate that. I think someone <laughs> might insane. have, but if that was you, just remind me, send me another yeah. message saying here it is again. Cool. But we'll have to somehow figure it All out. Right. Anyways, Matt, let's close let's wrap it up. Cool. So hey, everybody, go ahead, give us a like, comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you to Foundation Podcast YouTube for allowing the Nick and Matt show to be on their channel and everything like that. Thank you to Manscaped, Hempfield Botanicals. Um, for anyone listening post-produce, go ahead and leave a review on your favorite podcast platforms. Leave a like, however you got to do your thing on there. We hope you enjoyed the show this week. Tell someone you love them. We'll catch you in the next one. <laughs> People are still calling me out, but I love them all. Nick says, tell him I love him. I love you tell, guys. Tell him you love him, Matt. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.